Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Double denim. Double D. It's not denim. Is Were it? they the same colour, but they've just been washed more, <laughs> the jeans? Yeah, probably. I'm not, not quite black today. Yeah, you're looking... Very black. It isn't denim. Sombre. Yeah, well, it's been been a tough week. Yeah. Like the, uh, the fashion reviews first thing. You, yeah. always, you always get it, <laughs> get it in the neck. <laughs> Are we both well? Yeah, Very good. Well. All right, yeah. Fine. Fantastic. Yeah. Super. Thought you had a bad week. You've just said you've had a bad week. Well, no, I'm, I'm just perking myself up. Are you all right, Matty? Great, thanks. Yeah. Good. Well, everyone's well. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're a bit close again. I don't, I don't You feel... don't look comfortable, John. No. I'm half on the cot. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to look. But yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> By the way, we're week. at uh, Southport Football Club and Claire... I don't know. I don't know what our job role is, but she sorted this room out for us. And yeah, she was in here when you turned up, sorting stuff out. And you've walked in and you just had a wee. And he's got the salmon. Oh, he's got the salmon shorts on. And I've got the map of Africa. And I'm just looking down, thinking she's can blatantly see that he's pissed. It looks like he's pissed. Yeah, you were dripping. You were dripping you from the sleeve. Dribbling. I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> so I'll, I'll apologise to what we are. At least we got a venue, eh? Yeah. yeah, well done, Chris. Tell you what we need to do. We need to do that more, I think. Just put it out on Twitter. Put it on Twitter. We're in this area. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I prefer a bit more organisation than having to chuck it on Twitter. We've had a, yeah. we've had a busy week, though, haven't Four we? hours before we're supposed to arrive. Yeah. We've had a busy week. We have had a busy week, yeah. But, we keep, it's, been a, it's been a busy week. We're still trying to get to the World Cup, and that's what we've time's been busy. Out, though, it's, it's, it's time, the time's running out, The time bomb is ticking. So, I might have to... Send the speedos back. Yeah, cots last week. Yeah, obviously mixed response with with him coming on. Thing is, twenty four caps for Wales, good career. But I think the most important thing was the message. You know, with his alcohol. Yeah, and I'm still about when people define an alcoholic. Yeah, different different ways it reacted to him badly, and so, I thought it was an important message. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean we, we, like, to be fair, I didn't know about most of the controversies, to be honest. Mm. Like a research again? I know, yes. yeah, fucking piss poor, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, we're not, we, weren't, we didn't get on to speak about conspiracy theories. And nah. we, by the way, we've been accused of that. Have we? Oh, I a couple of messages saying that Letitia and now Cotswold. Oh, all right, we're on the bandwagon, are we? Apparently so, yeah. yeah. David Icke next week. We're looking forward to that one. <laughs> oh, is, somebody, somebody, messaged, somebody said, who's David Icke? Oh, he's, he's in with the aliens, David. Oh, is he? But he used to, he, did he, he play for, 
He used to play with a goalkeeper. Coventry, I think. Yeah. Oh, right. Everyone's oh. got a story to tell Chris. Say, <laughs> yeah. I can. Are you listening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we can't have you on. <laughs> but no, uh, we were just interested in the football side of it, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. people yeah. forget no. that he has had a good career. Yeah. 24 mm. caps for his country, man. So if you if you did listen, or if you didn't want to listen, that's fair enough. But join us for Ike next week. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody's got a pub in space, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we're we're on the moon next week. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're recording with him on space that nobody's ever landed on apparently, and all that yeah. bollocks. So just to clarify, we are not conspiracy theorists. Mm. We're still a football podcast, aren't we? Can we? Yeah. Just, do we need to clarify? Yeah. That? yeah. Yeah, but my app's crunching a bit with tinfoil. But, but, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm not having another fucking vaccine jab. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have we got this week? Uh, oh, special Coil. <laughs> special. Um, we've heard so much about him, and you'll see in this interview it was all correct. Brilliant, one. I think the enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, from the off. Lighting him. Yeah, getting a word in edgeways. That was that yeah. was a tough bit. Um, it's better when we don't speak, though, isn't it? Really. Yeah, and I tell you what, the hospitality we got, we got to the players had just finished having the lunch, and well, we got leftovers basically. You but still managed really good though, didn't you, Biggin? Yeah. <laughs> Did I have salmon? I can't remember what I had. Like salmon and chicken, wasn't it? Yeah. Like but was nice. I was hungry. Did it take you back being in the the, the canteen? Yeah, a little bit. The the uh, they had more sauces than we used to be allowed. Yeah. I mean, it used to be allowed mayonnaise and uh, sweet chilli and, and all that sort of stuff at, at certain clubs. So that's, that surprised me. Yeah. Well, They've yeah. got a set up there, by the way. And yeah. So they're having a, a proper bash, don't they? Yeah. They've got a team. He manages Chris. Yeah. Go on. Have <laughs> <laughs> you forgot? Yeah. Queen's Park. Queen's Park. That's oh. the one. Mate, I nearly said Queen at South. I did as well. I was about to make an absolute <laughs> fool of myself. It might be. I might be wrong. <laughs> we all look like tits. There's a manager in Scotland anyway at the minute. But, uh, yeah, so, like, just... I can imagine, like, just playing for him, I can imagine he's infectious. Yeah. I mean, we've just done an episode there with Richard Brody, and he was saying about he just wanted to be loved, just wanted the manager to put his arm around his shoulder, and I think Coyle would have been perfect. Yeah. You know, that to, just to take an interest in. Yeah, I reckon. Not just how you are, how your family, how, what you, you know, just day to day. I reckon there's a good chance if you asked any chance of coming around to yours for tea, I reckon you'd be having yeah, tea at the Coyle household. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no problem. Bisto brew. Yeah. But all of his staff love him. Yeah. And did you see the video? I think it was after we recorded. It was a pre season game in Ireland for Bolton. And he's playing table tennis on a table? wooden table, like, but a pub table. With not even proper bats, or it might have been proper bats, but they made a net out of jumpers or something. Ping pong bats? Pardon? Rackets? Paddles. And he was playing. Who was he bats. playing? No, paddles. They're not paddles. They're not called ping pong paddles. I've never heard <laughs> yeah, them called paddles. Mouthful, though, isn't it? Ping pong paddles. Hundred <laughs> percent paddles. paddles. You've got at your house. Playing table tennis. <laughs> Looks like they're just about to have a meeting or something with a with these striker. <laughs> playing with a leather paddle. <laughs> Well, you got leather, have you? Was I boring you there, lad? You <laughs> tell you what, I, I talked to you, Matt, yeah. <laughs> so, did, did, he, did he win this game of table tennis? I don't know. With his leather paddle. On the pub but table. On the team of there, and he's just... Net jumpers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was before a game. 
Oh, it's a bit embarrassing. This I don't. I tell you, Look at what's happened, fucking. Uh... No, but well, it's been a. It's like you said, it's been a busy week because we've been pulling out the stops to try and get to a World Cup, whether we will or not, we don't know. But I've not kept up with any football whatsoever. Like who's playing who, what's what. I thought I'll watch match of the day, and I sat there, sat through it all, watched it all. I got paper on Sunday morning, having a flip through. I watched match of the day from the week before. No idea. It was two weeks old. <laughs> good, good games though. <laughs> they are the yeah, they were good games. The best bit about the Man City Liverpool game was Bernardo Silva wanting to fight Van Dyke. You see him right, squared I'll, up. I'll him. watch that next week. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say the result. Just don't, don't want to spoil it for him. <laughs> like Scrappy Do. Yeah, it was funny. Marie. Yeah. He is a boy, him. <laughs> no, what else it. happening? Live show data start oh, to filter through, aren't they? So all the live shows going on sale now. Right now, they're on sale. Everything's out on Twitter. They're on the website, www.underthecosh.com. And then go to the ticket a bit. And all the tickets are on sale there. There's Dublin. Dublin, finally. Dublin's on there. Have, we got, have I got it sorted? Yeah. I think I got it sorted. Finally. Yeah. Dublin, fucking get in. So, Blackpool's uh, a new one. Blackpool, we've got Nottingham, we've got Sheffield, we've got Middlesbrough again. Uh, we're just waiting to confirm a few down south. So, but the majority are That's on. about them ping pong paddles again. Chris. Oh, we can have a good game later. Bats, table yeah, tennis bats. Paddles, aren't bat. Bats. Bat. Well, is it a bat? Is it a paddle? Well, I doesn't know. I'm sure. Well, people all that doesn't know anyway, well. don't they? Dickhead <laughs> paddle. Get on with it. Uh, yeah, eight minutes fifty-seven. Crips. <laughs> Should we get him in then? Yeah, yeah. Let's get that. He'll bounce in. Coil. He'll bounce in here. Hospitality, lunch, very a spot of lunch. We were hoping for a bit of iron brew, I'll be honest with you. Some of the tales hey, well, there's no iron brew on here, unfortunately, except for me. But the uh, yeah, the hospitality goes without saying when you come up obviously to Glasgow. Uh, well, you know, the kind of the people you get anyway. We love a lot of our banter, a bit of sense of humor about us, but equally, we want to make sure that people feel welcome. So, I'm glad you've enjoyed that. I'm looking about now. Obviously, we'd still one or two staff still to eat, so. <laughs> I did a couple of seconds, think, by I the way. I think the biggins killed me dead there, but anyway. There's nobody taking any home tonight, let me tell you. <laughs> well, that tells you the food was good. As long as, long as you're happy, that's important. <laughs> you make sure the lads eat, eat properly? No, we do. Listen, everything we do here is, uh, everything's tailored to make sure that they're very best. I mean, you'll always get, you know, people stories, this and that, and next thing, and, the bottom line is we are ultra professional whatever we do. That's never, ever been as much as we like, which is important. They have humour at the right time. And the most important thing is that we're ready. When we go to work, we're ready to work. When we're ready to uh, bounce off each other, that's fine. And it's getting balanced, like with most things, everything's balanced. But in terms of the sports science and nutrition, everything we have is, is tailor-made to make sure. We've we've got the youngest team in the league. So these young kids need direction. They need to understand how to live both on and off the park. Uh, now that was somebody like I mean when I played I played at 63 kilos I was the skinniest centre forward you've ever seen in your life and my metabolism was such probably the, the, the polar opposite that I could no, no, <laughs> that's twice that's twice no, no, in the first minute but I'll tell you, but I'll tell you, but I'll tell you why because it's really important but I could eat anything and never put an ounce on 
You know, so whereas some, I mean, I think it was John Robertson, the Scottish striker, John would always have a problem with, with, with his weight. We Robbie Blake even as well, that they had to, you know, watch what they're eating because everybody's metabolism is different. Yeah. But in terms of our players as well, yeah, everything's geared to make sure that they're the very best as it always is. I haven't seen a head tennis court. That's one thing I haven't seen. Uh, we, we, we can, we don't have a, there's not a, a, a fast and ready one, but they're easy to assemble as always. Are you still the main it, man? Are you still the main man? Well, uh, the answer to that is yes. I mean, the last time, <laughs> the last time, if I think back now, I think me and John McGinley, who's my partner at, at, at Bolton, when we played, and uh, Brownie was our captain, Phil Brown, and we had some terrific players, as you know, Jason McAteer, Alan Thompson, uh, Alan Stubbs, uh, we Mark Patterson, uh, David Lee, Andy Walker. I mean, that, that Bolton team got promoted, obviously, to the Premier League. We had some fantastic players, but the old Bundon, before the rebound, they used to be in the corridor, there was a, a a kind of gate that came across and that was your like kind of your, your halfway court in the head tennis and uh, and if you served it did you ever play you played at London no? too young too young I yeah. think well if you if you if you remember that anyway when you if you served and I was a left footer obviously but if you served it properly into the way dressing you can actually serve the ball into the way dressing up the stairs when you're playing head tennis, you're thinking about this so obviously we got that to a fine art so McGinley was right footed and brave and, and I was left so we were that without sounding uh, top dogs. Yeah, we we were so much so that Phil Brown was a captain. Actually, I remember him writing to to Manchester United to Eric Cantona to find a partner to come over and play. So, <laughs> so that's how good we were. That <laughs> is Phil Brown, Oliver, by the way. No, but the thing about that was that that group. I mean, that head tennis because we'd be first in and last away, uh, but really competitive because we just seeing ultimately teams your career in football, which you've had, it doesn't get any better. I mean, listen, we're so blessed to have a career. And that's about, I remember one of my, my managers sent me, clearly, you know, when you become a manager in your own right, he said, you're going to have to understand that not everybody's as enthusiastic about football as you. And I'll be honest, I don't I don't understand that because to come and, I say to my boys in the morning, they come in, they should be bouncing in here to come and enjoy the football. And, to, and we all know what the rewards are if these kids can do well. So for me, I mean, I think that that's only natural. If I, and again, been very fortunate in my career in football, had I not... I mean, I'd have been paying a fiver to go and play five or six my pals in at 56 because we love the game. And even on that, I mean, I, I was lucky in many respects because I was to sign for Dundee United when I was 13. And uh, my two older brothers played at uh, Dumbarton, which at the time was a, a championship club, but part-time. And Sean Fallon, who, who's dead now, God rest him, Sean was Jock Steen's assistant when Celtic won uh, first British club to win the European Cup. But he was now a director at Dumbarton. He was from Sligo. And he came to see my dad, who was from Donegal, and he said, listen, young ones better being at Dumbarton with two older brothers, forget Dundee United, probably the third biggest club in Scotland at the time. And my dad says, that's fine, you're signing for the mark. I said, no problem, Dad. So I signed for the mark with two older brothers. The reason I tell the story is, when I came to 16, I was five foot four and like pencil thin. So at Dundee United, they were looked and they said, he's a good little player, but you know what? I've got a good big player, I'll keep him in yeah. there. I might never have played, but Dumbarton, because it was a smaller club, they allowed me to pot away in the reserves. I got to about five foot 11 and a half when I was about 18 and a half, put me in the team, uh, managed to score my debut as it happens, but, and then kicked on from there. The reason I mention that is because people think managers, it's big, big decisions to leave your star players out. And they are big decisions, but they're not the biggest decisions. The toughest decision any manager I think will ever have is when those kids are 16 and you have to decide, are they getting professional contracts or not? Because in many ways, not that you're quashing dreams, but you don't know how kids are going to react, you know, to that, you know, to, to, uh, that disappointing decision. So I was very fortunate. A smaller club was allowed to play. So that's the reason I'm always as well, like don't be dismissive of, you know, late developers or, or small players in different different ages. 
always looking for talent. That's what we're looking for. You know, spot talent. Then you get a chance to develop players. What were the What was the age difference between you and your brothers? So, uh, well, I've got I've got five brothers and three sisters. Right. So Joe, uh, Joe be oh now we're talking. I'm fifty six. Joe be so Joe be ten years older. Thomas will be eight. John's five, and I've got two younger brothers and. Uh, yeah, obviously, I've got three sisters as well, so they were all sporting as well, netball and what have you. So, yeah. The two and the two brothers that you were playing with. At what point are you thinking I'm the best? I'm best at the bunch. Well, do you know what? This is actually. I'm glad you mentioned this because this is this. Not that we get a kind of above your station. I don't, as you know, have any ego. I mean, the uh, But uh, there's a, a very famous pub in in, in the Gorbals called the Brazen Head. It's a big Celtic, big Celtic pub. But the uh, so they're all and all the guys are in a few pints. And they're all arguing about football and they start talking about guys that came for the Gorbals and he says well if you're talking about good players for the Gorbals a couple of boys who went to school with me and my mates are sticking up me but you better mention Owen Coyle then in the, in the same breath as you mentioned the other players they, they've scored the amount of goals they scored played international level bum 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 whatever and they're chatting away and a few guys are coming around and saying yeah that's right yeah he did well played with those teams and, <laughs> you know scored nearly 300 goals this and that and they're just going forward and my pals are telling me the story they're saying oh it's kind of gathering a bit of momentum we're, <laughs> we're, we're getting you in the frame amongst, amongst some of the big hitters when you think of some of the good players that came for the Gorbals but anyway this older guy's kind of leaning back in his chair and he says Owen Coyle absolutely no chance and it just went a hush and my mates went to stick up he went what do you mean no chance Owen Coyle he went Owen Coyle wasn't even the best player in his own house <laughs> this is his older brother Joe with miles miles better he wasn't even the best player in his own house never made the goal so certainly brings you back down here and it's true actually Joe was supremely talented yeah. <laughs> 36 goals and 103 appearances not a bad At start yeah. yeah I mean those the other thing is I don't know is that Wikipedia yeah, don't count goals. So yeah. uh -huh. they, they don't because I think it was saying totals at two four nine or something or whatever it is. Not yeah. that much for memory. Yeah, but it's just late goals. In truth, I think I was about three goals short of three hundred, and I would have got three hundred. But I was, I was actually Sandy, my assistant. I'd, I'd been player coach at Dundee United, but I, I was sitting in the bench in the Premier League, and I was thirty seventh, and I just wanted to play. And I said to Ian McCall, who's now the party Thistle manager, I said, listen, I need to play. I'll still take the reserve during the week, but I need a game on a Saturday. I can't sit in the bench. Or... So he says, right, so I went and loaned to, uh, to, to Sandy, who was a manager at Edward United. So I went and loaned to Sandy. We actually, we won the league there. So I was on 297 when I was playing with Sandy Airdrie. And Jeff Brown, who's the St. Johnston chairman, called me up and he said, Owen, uh, would you be interested in being the St. Johnston manager? And I said, oh, chairman, I've not applied for your job. He says, no, I know. He said, but you come highly recommended. See me did at Falkirk. Your brother Thomas played for me at St. John's, so I know the family values, what you stand for and everything else. I'd love to speak to you. I said, that, that'd be brilliant, Chairman. I'd be interested. He says, right, I'll come to Glasgow uh, to, to see you. I said, well, I'm actually not in Glasgow. It was Easter holidays. I said, I'm actually up at Dunkeld, uh, which is 10 minutes from Perth where St. John's has with a holiday lodge up there. He says, right, I'll come and see you. I said, okay, great, Mr. Chairman. So I had to turn to Kerry, my wife, and I said, Kerry, you're going to have to take the kids out. And the St. John's Chairman's come to speak to me about, about the job. And she went, Oni, it's torrential rain. I says, I know, we just wrapped them up in the max. So anyway, she got the two <laughs> ones in the, the max, got the wee one in the buggy. Away she went, it was obviously torrential rain. So she's the filming to me. Anyway, the chairman comes in and uh, as you come in, you come in here, there's like a kitchen area here and the living area through there with the, the sofa and the TV and everything. So I said, oh, come in, Mr. Chairman, please take a seat. Would you like a tea or a coffee? He says, oh, I'd love a coffee. So I thought, I said, oh no, we don't drink coffee. Oh, we drink it. I'm teetotal, never an alcoholic drink in my life. But 
me and my missus, we love our cups of tea and my mugs are about that size. <laughs> so, um, so I went through and I'm, there's a breakfast area. I'm, yes, Mr. Chairman, no, but just bear with me. So I'm looking about it. Anyway, eventually I found the coffee, made the tea and coffees. I see big mugs, mountain sugar, sat with them for over an hour. Couldn't have went any better. Brilliant, brilliant football chat. So uh, anyway, he finishes, he says, oh, and I've really enjoyed the chat. I'll be in touch sooner or later. I says, thanks very much, Mr. Chairman. So he leaves. I check my mobile phone, 12 missed calls. Obviously, I didn't sign it. 12 missed calls from my wife. Obviously, wanting back in. So I thought, I says, Kerry, that's just finished. Thank God for that. We're soaked through, me and the kids. I went, I know. I said, you can come back. So she comes back in there. And it's been that wet that the rain's still dripping down her nose and all that. The kids are soaked through. She says, that better been worth it. I says, Kerry, it couldn't have went any better. I says, the only thing was you threw me at the start. I says, you wanted a coffee. I said, but I eventually found it, made it tea and coffee. Great chat. She went, we've not got coffee. I says, yeah, we have it. She says, that's Bisto Gravy, you clown. <laughs> as God's my judge. I'd made, I'd made him a full mug that size. I've always needed an ornament, but a lot, lot of tea. Milk and sugar. A full mug, milk and sugar. <laughs> I, I, by the way, he drank, he drank the lot. <laughs> Right, Jay, right, right. So I'm like, honestly, Brown, I'm like, I said, oh my God. So I picked the phone up and I thought, I said, Mr. Chairman, it's Owen. He says, I own. He says, eh, I need to apologise. I said, what's that? He says, it turns out I wasn't coughing, mate. It was Mr. Gravy. He says, I thought it was a funny time. Like, anyway, he says, while I've got you, I want to give you the job. So, uh, true story. So there's a, a meth, a meth in my madness. I can just imagine, like, oh, got, honestly. Well, I know that you exactly. Trying to be, me, trying not to be real. Say, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, just imagine that, I mean, outstanding candidate, but he made us a uh, cup of gravy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't think he's all there. Well, to be fair, I think maybe that's what he liked. <laughs> it was that much, because obviously he throws me straight away and I'm just, and when you, not that I'm trying to stick up for myself, when you actually see it, it does look a bit similar, but I'm like, yes, Mr. Chim, no, Mr. Trying to make a good impression at the same time, just kind of rush it through. Anyway, thank you a lot. It was worthwhile with a brilliant time at St. Johnston. See, I could actually get on board with a cup of, cu a cup of gravy. gravy on its own. But not with the milk and right. sugar. No, yeah. You're, you're, not, dipping, you're not dipping a biscuit either, are you? To be fair, he didn't say it was a wee tang. He didn't say it was that as well. The key to that story, if you ever come to mind, don't ask for a coffee. That's why I put you down for lunch today, so that I didn't have to make anything. So when you said you didn't drink, is that was that a conscious decision right the way through? Yeah, and I mean, I, uh, I mean, as I say, I've got five brothers, three sisters. Uh, my young brother doesn't drink some of the other ones my mum was teetotal uh, so in truth it never really interested me and then I was signed from the, I was age of, when I was 13 like the night before although I was 13 but for example Dunbarton were playing my older brothers were playing I'd be sitting in thinking well I've got a big game as if you're only 13 but as if you're, you're ultra professional and the other thing I would hope is that I would totally get that kind of personality that I know people sometimes just take a maybe a social drink or whatever to be a bit more relaxed I'm quite comfortable that I can chat away with anybody and, and, and not feel uh, and on that, actually, I, I haven't done well at Dumbarton. I was invited to, uh, with Glasgow Celtic, it was my team, obviously, growing up, the under-20 tournament in Switzerland, uh, Zurich and Geneva. And big Derek White, big White, he was the, was the captain of the under-20 team. And he had five or six first-team players. There. Anyway, we went, we did really well, and then we were allowed a night out. And uh, I remember getting into the bar, and big uh, Whitey, big Derek White, ordered 18 half pints, uh, 18, half, 18 half pints of lager. And they're sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, just drink it, you know, no dairy, man. No, I don't drink. And I thought, no, why would I do that? You don't drink. So I said, why are you at? I'll have, I'll have a Coke. He says, no, quite a little I said, no, no, you never heard me. I'll have a Coke. I don't drink. And he kind of seen my eyes anyway. No problem. I want a you Coke. Then somebody else, another boy as well. Oh, I'll have a Coke as well. But I can understand why young players yeah. can feel peer pressure and everything else. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was that was as close. Even when we've won some huge, huge big games and big trophies and events, even in terms of the champagne, I've never, I 
he did for anything quite bubbly and, and hyper as it is. I think yeah. he gave me a drink and it would take me another level. So <laughs> was, <laughs> I, think, I think I'll stay sober. Was, stay. There, was there 18 of you there? I'm just thinking why he's not just going nine pints as a 18 half. Or was everyone just having half? I think it was just he was the captain. He decided that was what it was. Let's have 18 halves. You want to bite? <laughs> I want to bite, yeah. I'm like, I don't, fuck, fuck. I don't remember, fucking mess remember about with them. <laughs> I know. I would not know. But We've had a few of the lads on from that from that Bolton squad and yeah. Mark Patterson, Aidan Davison, yeah. uh, John McGinley. I again. And you know, the socials were they were they were active, should we say? But yeah, well that was a that was designated a, driver? Yes, I was. because I, I I'm I took them everywhere. I remember on Christmas night, I, I shouldn't have done a weekend, well you can't do me anything now. I think I had something like fourteen in my car. Aiden David, I mean Aiden, I loved Aiden the bits, but Aiden was in the boot with two others. But not by not by their choice, you just had them in a headlock like that. Used to it with me. Patterwick Glove compartment. Yeah, McGinley would always be in the front. I think him and Brownie were in the front seat. We had about six sprayed across the, the back. Oh my god. But listen, they were great boys. They were that was a really uh I mean Bruce uh Bruce was an outstanding manager in terms of football and use football we never always seen eye to eye in terms i was and usually the boys will know this anyway something i was probably more most enemy i always had something to say and I'd like to think half, most of it was quite funny and bruce was quite you know very much strict disciplinary and everything else and uh and really didn't really you know if he said something if only my place said something i would i could always have a quick retort or whatever you know he didn't really you know come in for that type of thing so anyway there was uh, certainly a couple of times that we'd uh See the other side of them, shall, shall I say? But yeah. even on the, if I think back when, when I signed, because the Exton that Bolton eventually took to the training ground, we used to change it a, a the old Bundon and drive along obviously the motorway to that. And I was coming back for the, the pre-season, and we'd we'd signed a Bolton had been promoted from from League One into the Championship, and uh, Bruce had signed a number of players myself from Airdrie, Stevie Fulton, they came from Glasgow Celtic, Jimmy Phillips. But anyway, first training session and kind of McGinley uh, hooked up with me, so we're driving back. Must have been about 75 miles an hour coming back along that motorway, as we all know well. And, uh, and McGinn's like, oh, slow down, Coyle. He said, what? So that's the gaffer sitting up in the inside lane, 70 miles an hour, wouldn't go beyond it. He went, right. He says, oh, if you go overtake him, that he says, there'll be a riot. He'll know. Right, okay. So I pull in, right? <laughs> 70 miles an hour. Right, that was fine for me. Nobody, so Stevie Fulton, nobody told Stevie Fulton, he was coming himself. Stevie Fulton worked a fantastically talented <laughs> player. Came for Glasgow, said, done brilliant at Celtic. Anyway, not only did was Stevie speed, and Stevie liked that. A cigarette as well. Stevie would buy about 90 miles an hour. Aye. <laughs> but Bruce is then saying, well, I, Bruce would buy one hundred. Hey, gaffer. Honestly, never played a first game in town. Never played a first team game at Christmas. It's good for judge. Bruce the following day came in. Nobody drives us. Are you smoking as well? So he's like, no, I was just smoking. <laughs> oh, my God. He was, uh, well, football knowledge was brilliant. Yeah. That, that group of boys, yeah, they, 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 uh, they were a great type. They really were funny, it's, funny boys. It's funny you should mention them, them little quips and stuff because Pato mentioned, I, I spoke to him yesterday and he said, uh, it's actually about Chester away. Oh, right. So it wasn't Chester away. No, actually. Yeah. So it was Grimsby away. Right. And, and yeah, it was. So, so what happened was we'd done the whole pre-season and we good strikers, to be fair. We had uh, John McGinley, Mixu Patalainen, big Dutch lad Fabian De Freitas. We had really good strikers, but we played the pre-season and I'd been the top scorer in pre-season and did really well pre-season. Uh, anyway, we come to Grimsby, open the day of the season. Bruce names the team, strikers, McGinley, Patalainen, Bench, Coyle. Right, okay, that's, listen, the one thing I was is I just wanted to play, but in terms of that, nobody was a better teammate than me. 
get my head down, get ready to go. And although that was tested a couple of times, I've got to say during my, my career, but I was all for the team. So anyway, went to went to Grimsby, nil uh, nil, never put me on, never put me on. I was blazing. Anyway, finished game, finished. Then I went out. I done my own running after the game. Done boom up, make sure. Anyway, the time I come in, all the boys are showered. They're all getting ready to go on the bus. So they're all getting ready, and I've come in, take my t-shirt off, threw it down, threw my slips. So I think they had Big Eddie Davison. They were like, Coily, you used to get your lawn in Big Eddie Davison, strongest man in the world, right? I'm like yourself, nobody knows. But when you were winding him up, you get to a certain point, and then you go like, Coily. Like, okay, right. <laughs> you know, so, aye, that's when you knew. And that's when you knew. There was one day, that actually, just on that, and remember, if I say, I was like five, eleven and a half, but really skinny. I think mean, I was 10, 10 stone. I played it as a centre forward. It shouldn't have happened, but I had a wee bit more about it. But anyway, the, uh, we came in this one day, and I'd been winding them up, must be in the training ground. Anyway, I came in, went to, and at Burnham, there was a big, huge communal bath. So anyway, I've come in one day, getting changed, and I went like, pfft. and I did genuinely go to throw my slips over to the big uh, hamper thing we had, but as I threw them over, <laughs> up big Eddie right in the head, right? <laughs> and he just looked around like that. He never says anything to me. He just looked and I seen his eyes and I was like, oh no. <laughs> I says, Eddie, I swear, I never meant. <laughs> never said a word, just walked over. As goes my judge, just grabbed me, picked me up above his head, like that, walked in, just walked into the communal bath, just like, boom. Honestly, just lifted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, thank God the water was up there. Otherwise you'd have been, but never said a word. Just, but that's what it was like when his temper broke. <laughs> I'd seen one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life with Big Ian Davidson and Big, you might remember, Big Jason Liddy, big red-haired centre-back. Mm. He was another big strong, but one day the two of them went at it. Oh my God. So when I seen him coming, I thought, right, just don't see it. Just, just take the point. Just take whatever it's going to be. Coyle, just take it. <laughs> Never threw any slips again, I can tell you that. But anyway, getting back to what we were talking about. So uh, the boys, they're all getting ready. And Bruce, to be fair, he was always, his shoes were always shiny. You could see his reflection. You know, you could see his reflection in his shoes. I mean, he was all, and he's up, but this kind of big royal blue jacket on. He's fixing his tie in the mirror. And I've come in there, obviously. Peeved off that wasn't playing. So I said, hey, Gaffer. And he went, yeah. I said, hey, you know, what time what time are we on the bus? And he went, just fixed his knot. And he looked around. What time's the bus? I said, yeah, what time are we on the bus? He said, what are you asking me for? I said, oh, sorry. Oh my God, I thought it was a bus driver. <laughs> and he was like, what? And McGinley, who's supposed to be my pal, he's like, oh, you're out of order, Coyle. <laughs> It's supposed to be, as you know, we've all had that. It's supposed to be a mess. Oh, you're out. Right. He just fixed his knot. Last week, notched. It's okay, John. John was his boy. John was his blue eyed yeah. boy. It's okay, John. The power of selection is a very strong thing. <laughs> as if you never played. As if you never played. <laughs> so, anyway. Bye. Let the keep your house shut. Could you see why um, it might not have worked from at Arsenal? You know, they're on about his disciplinarian type. Yeah, well, so we got to the Coca Cola Cup final. Uh, against Liverpool, Bolton, that season we got promoted. But anyway, so I'd played in every round of that, that competition. And the week before, we played Portsmouth at Portsmouth and uh, John McGinley was away in international duty with Scotland. And uh, so anyway, we went to play at Portsmouth, the two strikers were myself and Mixu Patalainen. So we went out at Portsmouth, but on the Friday we signed Gundy Bergson from Tottenham. And Gundy Bergson wanted one of Bolton's best ever players, an outstanding player, Gundy. So he was number 12. At that time, you only had the three subs, remember? You had two, well, you might, I'm a lot older, but you had two outfield players and a, and a sub goalie. You had three subs. So Goodney was number 12. Anyway, we went out and played at Portsmouth and we're going to beat 1-0 down at Portsmouth, which is always a tough, tough venue anyway. And uh, and he came in at half time, And I'd actually played quite well in the first half. So Bruce came in at half time and he wiped the floor with me. Never mentioned anybody else. Just wiped the floor with me. You're this, you're that, you're that. Just left me without a name. 
So he finished his, his rant and went away. And Gundy Bergson, who I was wearing number 11 that day, he was at number 12. And he touched me and says, Owen, I don't understand. He says, you, you were our best player. I says, all right, Gundy, I understand. So John McGinley's away on in international duty. He's going to be back next week. Him and Mix is going to start up front the cup final. And I'm going to be sub. So if he lays into me this week, it's easy to say, oh, I don't think you've done well enough. You're sub next week. I've got it. I've got it. No problem. So we go to the second half. And if I could have played any better, I did. Think, eh, I don't think I scored, but I think I beat a couple squared one week. Well, I, we drew one each, which was a very good result down at Portsmouth. Gundy Bergson never even got on. He was an unused sub. Went for me again after the game. Wiped the floor. Never even Anyway, so I, I was fine. It's okay. I understand. So on the Monday we came in and, and, he, and he said, right, go to name the starting 11 for the cup final. Strikers, eh, McGinley and Pat Line. I'll name the subs later in the week. So then he said, but while you're there, everyone outside the 11, you're all playing tomorrow night at Stoke in the reserve game. They, so having played on the Saturday at Portsmouth and played really well, I was playing the Tuesday night at Stoke in the reserves. I was the only one, everybody else. So anyway, it didn't matter. So that was fine. A game's a game, I loved. So anyway, we went down, we played the game. And then on the, I think the cup final was on the Sunday. So on the Saturday morning, new suits, shirts, ties, everything. The boy, they fairly really looked after the lads. I'll give them that. Bruce was in it training on Saturday morning. Colin Todd was taking the training. So... Anyway, Colin Todd, we finished the training, Colin Todd says, oh, I've been, uh, Gaffer's asked me to name the subs. So anyway, as you do, as you talk amongst players, you kind of know who the subs was going to be. It was going to be myself, it was going to be Pato, who was the sub, Mark, Mark Patterson, and it was going to be Aidan Davidson, the sub goalie. So anyway, he says, uh, subs, uh, Aidan Davidson, Mark Patterson, who'd been the captain at times as well, he says, and, uh, and Gundy Bergson, who Gundy signed the week before and was an unused sub. And I'm like, Colin Todd, I says, what? He says, whoa, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> I, says, I says, don't shoot the messenger. I said, where's the manager? Can you not tell me in person? So anyway, I, I think I remember having a ball in my hand that time when I volleyed it, went away and I was absolutely blazing. So I went in and I actually, you know, I went in and I thought to myself, oh. so McGinn, let me fair, he comes right in on my back. He says, call you I says, ah. I said, does he see if he wants to leave me? That's fine, just tell me in my face. And I actually, for, for, if I'm honest, for about 30 seconds, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go to, go to the cup fair, we can... Do one. So anyway, I had my shower come out. And again, says, you all right? He says, I'm all right, I'm fine. I've sorted it. Get my suit, my shirt, my tie on, get a smile on my face and, and be there for the boys, which I did. It was tough because I'd played every round of the competition. But anyway, put a smile on, made sure the boys were there. Wished them well. But, and they were great. I mean, Steve McManaman was unplayable that cup final for Liverpool. Liverpool beat Bolton 2-1. Mm -hmm. Alan Thompson scored a wonder goal for Bolton as well. Tom was terrific. And 2-1 with, with the boys narrowly lost. But, uh, but then I was made sure it was there for them, as tough as it was. And then uh, for two weeks, he, he wouldn't even allow me to come and speak to him. So he wouldn't, never played me in the team. I wasn't even in the 14 for the next two weeks. So I just kept working away, working away in the training. You're attempting to see him as well. Oh, no, I've had yeah. So he never, he, Bruce would never like, he wasn't allowed to see him the day before a game. Yeah. Right. Right. And then no for, that, for that two weeks, I just wasn't allowed to see him. He'd find out, oh, no, I'll see you tomorrow. Come tomorrow. Anyway, it went on for two weeks, but fine. Every day, I just kept working hard in the training ground, working hard in the training grounds. I did. So then after the two weeks, and the team had a couple of different results. Uh, and the old bundle when you came in, you come in the door there and the boot room was just behind you where you are there. You're in the boot room all your boots. And I was always, I say everybody about the head tennis for channel, but I was always first in. We were always first in. So anyway, I'm in this morning first in, even earlier than normal. As I walked in, I'm aware that somebody's behind me. So it was Bruce, who's right behind me. And I get my boots. He says, hey, Coily, uh, are you okay? I says, yeah, I'm okay, yeah. He went, good, good. He says, hey, there you go. Went hidden his hand. He said, there you go. I says, there you go what? He says, there's your medal. And I'm maybe awkward as I was. I went, there's my medal for what? He says, the cup final. I says, I never played the cup final. He said, no, but you played every other game up to the cup final. I says, I know, but I never played the one that, that mattered, did I? 
And well, they all matter. I says, that's true. They did all matter. I says, but for that one, I never played in there. I says, and you never even actually told me why I wasn't even on the, on the bench. More so. He went, would you want the medal? Do you not want the medal? And I couldn't resist it. And I was like, aye, is my three grand appearance in there as well? As good as my judge. How would that go down? Oh, I Well, I have your freaking medal. Is your freaking medal. Have you on it? That was it. Shut the door behind them. But that's true. But I just couldn't, I just, I was boiling. I was dying to say some more. And he went, this is my, because that's what the boys were on. Three grand appearance every yeah. one of them got. <laughs> no, that was begrudging. I never get the three grand. I played every game. And to be fair, Goodney, I see, I love Goodney Bergson. He's an absolute gentleman. What a player he was. But Goodney came the Friday. hadn't played a minute. hadn't played a minute. He was on a new sub at Portsmouth. And they put him on the bench for that game and left somebody who'd contributed an awful lot. And that's why I say, oh, it's my three grand appearance. <laughs> I just couldn't insist it. I'm assuming that he, he wanted you and you got back in the team after that. So well, how did he go about that? Well, funny, funny enough, and our game was doing that. He knew, see, to be fair to him, he knew, like, I was a consummate professional. He knew how hard I worked. He, he knew I was a team player. He knew I would do anything for the team. He, he was a very, very clever man. Like, he knew his players. He knew who needed, as we say, like, kick up the backside, who needed a shoulder on them, who needed a wee bit of... You know, he could he could test him a wee bit. He could do it to me, but he knew it wouldn't affect me for for my teammates because that's ultimately how I grew up. You think that made up. you an easy target then? Yeah. You think that made you an easy target? I, I think what it, I think I, if I look back, I think what it did is if there's something going wrong and something was to get somebody was going to get it, it was going to be me. Mm. But I think he did that because he knew one of yeah, I I could take it. Not it was particularly nice, but he knew that it wouldn't affect me. He knew I'd probably right. Okay, I'll sh kind of show you again that kind mm. of. We're always wanting to punch above our weight, that kind of mentality. So, uh, but then uh, to your point, I say those two weeks, and then I get back in the team that following week, and I I started every game from that moment on all the way through. The reason I tell the story is because had I went in a sulk, I felt sorry for myself after that when he when he left me out of that and stormed out and not went to the cup final, I would never have went on to enjoy one of the best days of my career because I worked that hard. We went to the playoff final against Reading, I'd played every game up to that. Uh, and so much so that even in the final, he put John McGinley wide right, and myself and Miksu uh, went through the middle, and uh, Tom, well, Alan Thompson was wide left, uh, and we're 2 nothing down to Reading after 20 minutes, then Reading missed a penalty to make it 3 nothing. Had they scored that, I don't think we'd ever come back, but you mentioned it earlier, because we were chatting about the about the spirit we had and the team and the camaraderie, and, and even those difficult moments, that's, that's when you see team spirit. Yep. It's easy when you're winning, everybody joins in, they're the life and soul of the party, but it's when you get difficult moments, that's when you see the characters, and uh, I managed to get, well, the reason I mentioned it, I managed to score at Wembley, which is any kids, even in Glasgow, we've seen the FA Cup finals, and everybody wanted to play at Wembley, <clears> so, uh, and we went on to win the game 4-3, uh, and have a brilliant experience had I sulked I would never have had that experience so as I say when those things happen ultimately you do one or two things you feel sorry for yourself or you get up in the morning you're going to do something about it which I always choose to do and get on with it and that's what we did and end up having a, a fantastic end to the season but when I'm back into the team I never come out of it yeah. on the back of that when we get promoted then obviously we'd beat Arsenal if you remember in the FA Cup earlier yeah. that season and on the back of that, obviously, Bruce was, was getting a really good name about the football boat we're playing and everything else. Uh, and then when we won the playoff final, obviously the Arsenal job was up and, and, and Bruce got it. And when he got it, uh, there was a, a journalist from uh, London that called me and they offered me thousands and thousands to do a story on him, on Bruce Reup, because he knew that we clashed a lot. And I said, to be honest, I said, I've not got anything bad to say about him. I think about getting that appearance back. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> hey, I, I think I could get two appearances for that. But do you know what? No, because it, it would never, that, that's not the way I was brought up. I don't live yeah, my life yeah. like that. You know, if stuff happens, people say stuff 
all good and well. I ain't going to, you know, it's hard to move on and then you look forward and look in front of you, which, you know, no was, you can't affect what's behind you. So all I said was your football-wise, his knowledge was second to none. I said, that, that's uh, factually. I said, obviously, they got some really big characters there, Ian Wright and such forth and, and, and you know, boys like that. I said, but in terms of the football, he's so, I would never, never ever say anything as much as we uh, would have a clash here and there, but not in a, a negative aspect about him taking a big job like that. I said, actually, you know, if he, if he, if he goes about it the way and gets the joy that he did at Bolton, they do really well. But I think ultimately what happened was there was a kind of clash with the players, wasn't there? And I think Bruce, I think actually Bruce said to him right one night, John McGinley would have scored that. And I think he'd write it about, about Umbridge as one or two others did. So, uh, although McGinley loved that, he died, McGinley still dines out in that one. You know, but, anyway, but he was a lot striker. He was John McGinley. How come you obviously scoring that 75th minute goal at Wembley, getting Bolton to the Premier League and then moving on? Well, uh, Roy came and Roy McFarlane came with, uh, with Toddy, who yep. became co-managers in the Premier League. Uh, and I was on the bench. I started a couple of games, but I was on the bench all the time. And to be fair, they, would, you know, they were honest. And if I'm honest, I think I was semi-decent at certain things. Was ever going to be a week-in, week-out Premier League really player in England? Well. I, I don't think so. But I could have played bit past, but I just wanted to play. You know, you train, the boys will tell you, you train every day to have a game at the weekend. So I had uh, some opportunities here and there. And then Dundee United came in. And uh, uh, and that's that's what happened. I, I went back to Dundee United to play regularly, play every uh, every week. And that was the main focus for you, to, to, to play football? Because yeah. a lot of lads had sit, sit it out, wouldn't no, they? No, we did. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we went to the Premier League. Our, our salary improved. Everything improved in terms of uh, financially and everything else. But ultimately, if you're a footballer and you're not playing on a Saturday... That's the biggest thing for me. I think I, I dropped salary four or five times just to go and play because I, I just loved the game and I wanted to play. How old were you when you left Bolton? How old were you? I was a... So that would have been 90, so I'd have been 29. Similar mentality to John McGinley when he was speaking to us about dropping wages to play games and the not getting rewarded. It's a mentality I don't get, I'll be honest. I, no, fuck that. I'll but, just sit and take my door. I don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> see, the thing about it is, we're all different. We all, yeah. and that's the thing. Be a boring place if we're all the same. Different traits. Different, if we were all the same, it'd be very, very boring, wouldn't it? So the fact you have that uh, different dynamic, that different mix, and people see things differently. But I, I just love playing. That's you know, that's why I played as long as I did. I mean, had I still been a yard sharper, I would have still continued to play because the playing days are the best days of your life. one hundred percent. You play well. More often than not, the manager picks you. As a manager, you're not just responsible for a team. Sometimes you're responsible for a whole city and all the stuff that goes with it. So that's a big, big responsibility. You deal with that pressure all right? When, yeah, I When do. it came I mean, to I, coming into management? Yeah, I mean, I think, of course, you know, nobody, we, you want to win every game. I mean, that, that never leaves you. I thought I'd actually, as you get older, it might easily be, but I think it's getting worse that you just want to, <laughs> you want to keep winning and winning. And uh, But equally, you want your teams to be entertaining. You want people to watch your teams and, you know, if they think, yeah, they're pleasing on the eye, they play the right way. And uh, but of course within that yeah there is there is a bigger responsibility and uh, and and it's not something you take lightly it's something that you you know people think you pick a team nothing can be further for the truth the amount of things that go along with it but you know it's listen we're very very fortunate to be in football that's for sure. Was the spell at Airdrie? Somebody asked if you've got any stories on the keeper John Martin. Oh, Big John. So uh, I mean, Big John was Big John was the roughest the roughest big man. You, you've ever you've ever seen in your life, and uh, rougher than that. <laughs> that yes, no, no. <laughs> in respect, big, big John had been a minor, so he'd, he'd never had it easy, and uh, and he'd a oh he'd a, he'd a, he'd a, he'd a fiery temper. I mean, a fiery temper, and Big John had a wee bit of a uh, he'd, he'd a wee bit of a stammer as well, 
Not when he was singing, he, was, he sang fluently. <laughs> no, he did. So he did. I don't know. I think, I don't know if it's because they know the what. I, I don't know the, the answer to that. Uh, people far better qualified me will explain it a lot better. But when he, when he sang, he sang, he sang really, really fluently. But we do I don't know if you've seen it in your movie or not. But anyway, there was a football movie, A Shot at Glory, that Ali McCoyst was in. Coyster was debuting. His acting skills in it, but not only Coyster was in it. So he decided, you know, when you think of your escape to victory, mm. which, yeah. you know, when the, the, so what they decided they wanted footballers doing the football scenes and if they had to do it a wee bit of acting, so be it, as opposed to actors trying to do the football scenes. So the football scenes. you scene, have some lines? So, uh, well, we, we didn't have any, but we threw a few in. <laughs> <laughs> so what, actually, what happened, this is true. We, but you know what it's like? So it was like, so just to get a bit of context to it. So Robert Duvall was in it, Michael Keaton. Cole Hauser, Brian Cox. I mean, they, they were all... Like, Been in a film with Batman. Well, they, were, they were all Hollywood A-listers, <laughs> right? There was like four or five of them. Anyway, but what we were doing, as you can imagine, when we scored the goal, everybody was just, whoa, on top of each other. Like, you know, you're So when you went to see it in the movie, oh, there, look, I'm in it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not just, I'm not just making it up. So anyway, we're, uh, it was the semi-final, and it was down at uh, down at Kilmarnock. And big John Martin, John Martin was going to get, uh, he was going, he was going to get injured. Uh, the reason being there was going to be an American goalkeeper coming in actually Cole Hauser he was in Goodwill Hunting and he was in one yeah. of the Fast and Furious movies he was going to come in the goals but he'd never seen a football in his life <laughs> never mind come in to be a goalkeeper so anyway but we know that John Martin's going to get injured so they take the corner and I was back in the near post right never mind how skinny I was right and Sandy my assistant manager Sandy was the team what are you doing I said I'm in the near post I said you've never been back for a corner in your life I said I'm fucking on the day <laughs> That's where the action was going to be. <laughs> so the ball's coming in, there was going to be a close in the post, and I was going like, eh. <laughs> So anyway, like, we line or any shot we could get, eh? and uh, actually, funny true story or not, was uh, we were playing, and, and so Michael Carente was, was the director, done a, a number of big movies, I'm led to believe. But anyway, what he said to read the fullback, Jimmy Boyle, uh, boy Peter Heatherston, said, uh, Jimmy, Peter, I want you to play a one-two, go to the byline, just lob the ball into the penalty spot and Coyste, Alan McCoyce, Coyste, I want you to go up in between the two centre-halves, boom, overhead kick, top corner, and we'll go for there. And we've all looked at the football players and like, right, okay, that's going to happen. Right? <laughs> How's that going to happen? Anyway, so the boy, two boys play the one-two, go to the Bayern, clip in, it's my judge. I mean, being in Coyste's company, you know Coyste well. Great yeah. guy, they're just uh, anything, everything falls his way is the best way I could put it, right? He's different class. Anyway, Coyste is up between the two centre-backs, bang. Right foot volley, top corner. And as much as I was saying that we're normally trying to get in the shot, this was just genuine celebration. We couldn't believe it happened. <laughs> Everyone is on top of Everyone is on top of Alan McCoy's. Unbelievable. He couldn't make it up. <laughs> so we're all on top. And then we hear shout, cut, Michael Carenti, cut, cut. Sort of cut. And Michael Carenti looks back to the cameraman behind the goal. And he says, Did you get that? He says, Yeah, I think so. C could we do it again? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. You could do it another hundred times, it wouldn't happen. So I uh, know I will just go with that one. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, so, but, but yeah, big, big John Martin, he was just he similarly they must have think with goalkeepers. They just but he would I was going to my judge, he could easily chase me twice a day in the training ground. Just with stuff you would say and he would he would take the bait and, and he was a big fit physical lad. But he's uh, I had a fiery temper. I mean, I, I could tell stories of him, but it wouldn't be clean. It wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> there don't need to be on here. I need to watch what I'm saying. I need to watch what I'm saying. Would he chase you if you tried to chip him? You know, in aye, oh, aye, aye. no, he would. So this, as you know, as we've all done it, you chip a goalie, but they normally just volley the ball hundred yards and say, no, no, 
he didn't volley the ball, he threw the ball away and came after you. <laughs> you're volley you. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was it. So normally you chip the goalie, goalie catch the ball and say, oh, you think you're trying to be smart? Bang, go and get your ball. Big John Martin would catch the ball and just threw the ball and just look at you like, <laughs> honestly, right after you. And actually, he actually, uh, John Martin, the only injury, only injury I ever had, it was John Martin that injured me. Accidentally, of course. And uh, and I was the best, you know, I was in the best scoring form of my my career. I scored 17 goals in seven league games. I scored four, four consecutive hat tricks. They were hitting me in the shoulder, they were hitting me everywhere. There was a game we played against Clyde, I think. I fell, I'd went to volley, I fell in the box. I was lying down, I just put my toe on it, flew into the top corner. <laughs> it was just one of the, the spells. Ah, well, you've not had 17 or something. He didn't have 17 in his fucking career. Yeah. <laughs> in seven after game. But it was one of those ones, they were just getting in everywhere. And then on the Monday, we came in and played a double uh, penalty box game. Uh, but it was on an Astro Tough, and I just went to flick the ball in. As I went to flick the ball in, Big John, he was as brave as anything, John Martin, came flying out to block my shot, but my other leg was planted, and he careered into my knee, and I did my medial ligament. I was out for four months. It was only ever injury I had in my career. I never done it. I was really fortunate and blessed, but I was the best goal scoring for, goal scoring for in my career when, when I had that injury. I think that might be the best goal scoring form of anybody ever. Yeah. 17 well, and 7. Was, yeah, we were, we were obviously, I was benefit from a really good team but yeah four consecutive hat tricks at the time and, and everybody was obviously looking at me at that time because obviously you know what it's like for goal scorers when they when people, <laughs> no but you do I mean the two you've played at such a high level and you know when you're you're scoring goals you're in demand uh, and ultimately that, that's what happened it's just but it was only I mean as much as it wasn't great timing it was the only injury I ever had so I was very fortunate in that respect do you know when you went back up at 29 you got one eye on going into coaching and managing that? At 23, they, they did a thing, actually, it was a really good initiative in Scotland. The SFA did that. We did the B licence when we were players at 23, but they were doing it on your day off. So instead of having to wait to the end of the season and do two weeks concerted, you were doing it like every Wednesday we'd go. So myself, we did a B licence by the time I was 23. That summer I went down and did my first part of my A licence. So at 23 and a half, or not for 24, I was already halfway through my A licence as well. So... Similar to use because and you don't know this because you watch football just now, there's not as many leaders on the field now. When we played, we were all, you know, you had, you had 11 captains there, we were all vocal. And for me, it was just a natural progression because you spoke on the pitch. And I say, I was really lucky. I was offered manager roles before I eventually, you know, took the St. Johnston one. Uh, I was a player coach from I was 35. So I was learning that side while I was still playing because I still love, I just still love playing. Word from this week's sponsor of this week's show. Who is it? Tell us, Chris. Hey. NordVPN. One um, of the finest VPN services out there. I've been using this recently. Have you? Because there's some conspiracy theorist Netflix documentaries. Oh. Not available in England, but I've been watching them. <laughs> have you? Yeah. I am a, I have a, my eyes are open. There's a whole total new world out there, lads. That you don't know about. Oh. <laughs> Telling you. So you, you've you've used your VPN and you've got up to. Up up to no, no, obviously, been, obviously, I've not I've not been watching. You're up to scratch with the reptilians and the reptilians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, that tells yeah. you that he's not up to date with his yeah, conspiracy. You've not, been, you've not been digging deep enough. <laughs> no. You only get that on the on the dark web. Right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but. Well, Rose will not know you've been on the dark web. No, because I've been using my VPN. Yeah, yeah, because I keep all them, uh, all my bank details, my uh, my passwords, all those things you don't want to get people getting their hands on. So what's uh, military style security? Military style. That's what you're talking about, Chris. What can key? 
with my NordVPN because basically you can use your NordVPN to bounce your location and get and watch those games abroad. Get that that cheaper Netflix account. Watch the watch those series that you that's only available in different countries and military style security. Like you said, keep everything under lock and key. And because you're watching the show, we've got an offer: four months free. Four months free plus a thirty day money back guarantee. You can't get better than that. No, it's worth a go. Can you? I, I, I challenge anybody to yeah. find it a yeah, better that, offer than that. that. Is. Four months. I think free. it's the best deal we do. Yeah, hundred percent. Best deal we do. So just follow the link in the description, click straight through, nordvpn.com slash kosh. Let us know what you think of the conspiracy theories and <laughs> all that shit. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When it came to uh, came to your management career, you know we've had a few lads that have, have played for you, and they talk about you know your philosophy, your ideology of it, the positivity around, and how much they enjoy it. Was that something that you you picked up elsewhere, or just your personality that you brought into the game? I, I think importantly, when when you when you become a coach manager, first thing you've got to be is true to yourself. I mean, we we all have ideas about how we want to play, how we want to about it, but I think you have to be true to your own personality if you try to be something you're not you know players are not players are not silly players see, right. players see through things they know uh and so i've always been of that mindset anyway i've always been positive i've always been bubbly and lively and certainly but equally you know no nobody likes to lose games i mean nobody hurts us. but equ- the other thing is but if you're going to dwell on it and feel sorry for yourself you're going to get nowhere and ultimately when you're in charge you're the guy that's got to come in and get that group lifted you're the guy that's got to get get them on again and i know people have different things you'll have managers that might not speak to players for days and everything else. That might be true to their personality. That That's not my personality. I've always been, you know, from being part of a big family, I've always tried to make sure that your football club is an extension, a family, and we all feel a part of what we're doing. And ultimately within that, there's going to be, there'll be decisions made, but they're never personal decisions. They're just football decisions. And it doesn't make them right or wrong. It makes it the decision, and then you've got to go from there. And that's, that's the key to it. But in terms of that uh, positivity, yeah, I've always prided myself in making sure that, you know, you bring... Hopefully, more often than not, you bring the right type of players to your club, and 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 everybody's there for the same thing, and that's to help each other to try and win games and and give a support and a town and a city a, a team that they they like to look at and think, yeah, that's my team. I enjoy watching that. Do you know when you first start coaching and managing? Because we take stuff that we've learned from managers that we played under. You know, yep. you take the good things from them. Yeah. You know the st- stuff with Rioc. Was that stuff that you didn't want to take? Yeah, do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I think, do you know what? I think it's uh, it's something I've, th- I've got to be honest, I've thought about a lot, a lot of times, particularly moving into it. I think there's a lot of that that uh, I've said before, I think, and I'm never ever uh, uh, looking to, to be negative about anybody else. Bruce Street was an outstanding manager, knew his football. Uh, did he treat me well, in my opinion? I, I don't think so, but 
you know, he might think that, that he did or he did it for his reasons. That's fine. I, I mean, I, I've met Bruce since. I've gotten great with him. I've got no problem with that. Because ultimately, that was just football decisions. I don't think it was ever personal with me. I think ultimately he decided that's how he was going to do it. And you can't argue with his success. But what I always felt uh, was that, you know, any time, and, 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 and I do this, uh, Chris, uh, and the players will tell you, anybody, if I'm leaving them out, I tell them. I don't, none of my players will ever walk into a dressing room and not know that they're not playing. Now, uh, does it give you a bit of added work? Absolutely. I remember actually at, uh, at Turf Moor and uh, in the tight corridor. Remember the tight corridor? And, uh, and the boys used to play, we Blakey and uh, Michael Duff and boys like that, used to play darts in the wee boot room just opposite the home dressing room. And I used to send Sandy, if I was going to leave somebody out, tell him to come and see me. And Sandy went out one day and says, Blakey went, sorry, right, Sandy, tell the manager I know I'm no, I'm no player. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he said, get in there, Blakey. So we Blakey came in and says, right, all right, Gaffer, I'm no player. I says, no, no, you are playing because I got wind that they were, you were, not that they were come predictable, but they were like, oh, right, they were calling Sandy the Grim Reaper. Soon as Sandy comes to, <laughs> soon, as, <laughs> soon as Sandy comes to see you, you're not playing. If, if, I get, if the gaffers want us, so I thought I better mix this up a bit. So anyway, I says, come on, Blake. I says, you've got to realise how important you are to me today. He went, what? I, am I playing? I said, of course you're playing. Why would you not be playing? You know, one of my key players. Yeah, I'm one of your key players. And you know, one of the best players at this level. I am one of the best. I said, well, go there and show everybody. Don't let anybody be thinking that you're not Blakey. Are you right, Gaffer? Anyway, we knew it was, Blakey was different class, but we just thought, rather than right, or oh, you're not playing, you're, we better just mix this up a wee bit. But that was, <laughs> so part of that was goes back to that, that uh, I always felt that if you weren't playing, that's fine, but you know, just tell me, you know, get geese, yeah, give them yeah. their place. I mean, it's a respect issue with me. You know what, I'm not playing you today. If you want to have a chat Monday about it, I'll explain it further, but you're still going to be needed. So we're ready to be a team player as, as we all need to be. And, uh, and, and that was a wee bit part of that. Kind of all through my career, not just specifically with, with Bruce, but at different times. And maybe that was maybe an older generation thing because the game moves on. We're all, every one of us, we all have to evolve. We all have to keep up with the trends and different things. And uh, and uh, so that was certainly from from that. Yeah, it's a very good question. On on this point, did you pull Chris Eagles one day and tell him you weren't playing with wingers? Was he not playing? Well, he thought, but he thought he was playing in the hall. Right. So he said, you I think Blake, yeah. he might have told that. Yeah. And you've pulled him and said, oh, Chris, I'm not going to play with wingers today. So he's given it the, so what am I in the hole then? And he was on the bench. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think, to be fair, I, 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 love, I, like, I love Chris. I love Chris. Yeah, gosh, I mean, I, even on that story and saying Chris Eagle, so I uh, I was finishing my UEFA Pro license for Channing coaching earlier on. And uh, it was the European Championships. And, uh, and I was going along with Big Jim Fleeting for the SFA. And uh, we finished, so finished the Pro license. But anyway, we met Martin. Martin Ferguson going to the game and uh, I says oh Martin how are you he says oh good to see you and I knew Martin for way back because when I was a part-time player I worked for London Construction as an assistant buyer when I was, uh, was 19 or 20 and uh, and Martin Ferguson Martin was, was a salesman as well so he used to come in to London so I knew Martin really well great to see you Martin reminiscent I says Martin do me a favour will you he says what I says going to phone Alex he says, what? I says, go on, go on the phone, Sir Alex, for me. He says, he's on holiday, only we'll have to phone him. Phone him tomorrow. I said, just phone him just now. <laughs> he says, you're some boy. So then he's phoned and, and Fergie's answered. He says, what are you doing? You're on phone me tomorrow after the game, not before the game. He says, no, I know. He says, but hey, you're only coil here. He says, they want a word with you. He went, I'll put him on then. So I comes on. I says, oh, sorry for bothering you. I says, but just when I got Martin, we go way back. He says, I know he's fed that. He tells me all the time you go way back. I says, anyway, I says, what about Chris Eagles? He says, what about him? I says, I'd love to bring him to Burnley. He says, right. Phone me back July the 4th. He says, that's when I'm back. The first day of pre-season. I'm on my holidays now. Don't bother me again. Phone me July the 4th and I'll speak to you about it. I says, brilliant. So then he finished. So phone me July the 4th. 
He says, right, Eagles, straight away. He says, I come on, eight o'clock in the morning, whatever it is. He says, right, you can have Eagles. He says, but I'm taking him to South Africa when we're in the pre-season tour. Once he comes back for that, he's yours. I'll give you him for half a million. Should be a, bit, should be a lot more than that. But because you get way back, Martin, and I know, I've seen what you're doing <laughs> at Burnley with the good players. It'll help the boy. The boy needs to play. I says, great. So anyway, when I went to South Africa, was Eagles not the top scorer on the tour? I was watching every game. <laughs> Eagles, was, <laughs> Eagles was brilliant, right? So some of the big hitters weren't there, but Eagles started every game. And he was in, every game he was in fun. I'm sitting there going, oh no, I'm not going to get him. So when he comes back, and I phoned first thing that morning, as soon as I'm back, and he went, ah, to be fair, Sir Alex was brilliant. It was great for me. He says, you think I'm going to keep him, don't you? <laughs> I says, I are you? He says, no, I gave him my word. He said he was brilliant. He says, but when my big hitters come back, he'll be on the bench. He boy needs to play. I'm doing this for him as well as you. The deal's a deal, what I said. So he was brilliant. That's how I got Chris Eagles. But I mean, what a boy he was. Chris You'd was. think he'd have gone with a lawn at that point, wouldn't you? After. Well, I think, uh, to be fair, when I spoke to this, is one thing I would, when I spoke with Chris, and this is the thing I always pride myself on, when I get to speak to them, I'm, I'm convinced that they want to come and play for us for the way we go about it and what we do and everything else. And Chris was on board. I told him, I gave him the platform to go and play, and he was sensational. That says, well, he's not, because you just were not really good, that, that Preston team, we were an outstanding team. But Eagles was just getting better and better. But he's there, uh, he's a funny boy. He came in one day, Chris, and he said, uh, he said, Gaffer, I need new boots. I said, that's fine. I said, what size are you, Chris? So I gaffer, sometimes I'm a seven, sometimes I'm an eight. I'm thinking myself, I said, okay, what size of shoes are you? He says, oh, am I getting a pair of shoes as well? But he's some boy, he's some boy, Chris. He's some boy. You turn out for reserves a few times at Burnley. Yeah, well, I'd, well, trying to get that for the hundredth, weren't you? No, well, well, part of it. Uh, so I've always loved, you know, when you get good young players. Uh, I sent, and, and when I came in at Burnley, the first thing I spotted was Jay Rodriguez, who was, I don't know, if he was sixteen or seven, seventeen at the time. And I sent him up to Scotland to my pal at Stirling Albion, Alan Moore, for three months loan at the end of that season. You know, to play with men and get bashed about and everything else. And he did, and he came back better for it. And then. Because I was at the time I was still fit enough, I played I played half a dozen reserve games with him. Because what I want I recognised how good a player he was going to be. But what I wanted to, when something happened as strikers, when it happened instantaneously, I wanted to be there to say, no, hold on, this is what you need to do. Instead of shouting from 50, 60 yards away when the points lost upon you, I was able to so even the game was going on, I was saying, oh, right, Jay. So me and Jay would be standing here as we are today going on the reserve game because ultimately the, the result of the reserve game wasn't important. What was important was, was his development. And I was still mobile enough to get about in the pitch that I could still help the team for, I'd only play for about 60 minutes, then come off. But the important thing was to help him. So we did that. We played six games and oh, listen, he's been on. He, had he not picked up that, the bad injury at Southampton, he was in the England squad and everything else. He's had an amazing career anyway, but I think he'd done even better than that. Just a great, great kid, loves his club, Burnley, and everything else. But I felt it was important that I was able to say to him straight away, no, hold on, Jay, this is what you need to do. And all of a sudden, he picks everything up quick. Next minute, he's coming in every week, scoring goals, coming off the bench, then you're ready to become a starter. The only thing that kind of pissed him off a little bit was I outscored him in the six games. But anyway, there. <laughs> <laughs> but I was only 43. <laughs> No, listen, what, what? That is going the extra mile, that, isn't it? Like, well, I can just you, imagine referee telling you, see, get back see, in your technical well, area. No, yeah, see, fuck it, I'm going to play. Well, see, oh. on that, actually, uh, we played, uh, we used to play reserve games at Accrington, and uh, we actually we'd went into the Premier League, so it was the start of that, that season. Anyway, as we roll in, the, the sky, the sky trucks are there. 
And you remember they used to have the, the, the blooper of the week? This guy used to do blooper of the week, they used to do goal of the week. Somebody made the biggest mistake, somebody scored the best goal, everything else. Anyway, I've seen the Sky Cameras. I thought, this is the Sky Cameras here for. I said, well, it's not often you get a Premier League manager playing in a reserve game. This is when I was in, you know, playing with Jay. And I think to myself, right, okay. So I'm going out and I'm thinking, oh, no. Russia now. Go and meet an eye. It's got to be judge. First ball came up to it, went to control it. It hit my knee, it went about 50 yards the other way, right? <laughs> and I'm like, myself, oh my God, they're going to be showing this clown. Look at this clown. You know, this, uh, this <laughs> still thinks he can I, do it. Look I, at exactly, him. but I was only playing. Anyway, as luck would have it, just the build up to the, to the half time, ball get played into me in the, inside the box where I was okay. Young defender came in and flicked over his head. Another one just took by him. And then I've reverse lobbed it in the far corner. So, anyway, goal of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a script, right? <laughs> I'm like, Sandy, right, take me off. <laughs> but the reverse of that was from my first touch. Well, the ball was going to fit. I thought myself, they show that. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's where football does to you, doesn't it? I know we had, we had Clark Carlisle on, and he was very complimentary I on how you, how you dealt love, with him and stuff. It was a different situation because uh, for such a, an outstanding man, first and foremost, obviously there's troubles and different things, and he, he, he would have that kind of period where he would... From 95%, I can't tell you how good he was, but he'd have those difficult moments, difficult weeks, whatever it was. And uh, I remember we went, went, went to Doncaster and he contributed to one of, it wasn't even an own goal, but it was one of the worst mistakes I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, but that came in the back of two or three games when he hadn't been at himself. And then I put him in the following week. I said, Clark, come on, what's going on? We've always been honest. I said, no, I'm sorry, Gaffer. I'm just in a difficult time at the moment and everything else. I said, that's fine. I said, I'm just going to leave you. He says, no, no, please don't, please, please don't leave. I said, Clark, I'll back you to the help. You know that, well, you know I'm there for you. We'll do anything we can to help. We know that. I said, but ultimately I can't affect the team. The team's my priority as much as I'm going to help you along your journey and everything else. And he says, no, I know. He says, but go, go. I'll get my head right. I said, well, I'll watch the next two days training. If you don't get it, then you're not playing. If you get back to what you're capable of. Anyway, I says, because I've watched the last three games. He says, I know. He says, a matter of fact, Gaffer, I've just realised I've doing more machine guards the last three games. My head's been... Right, so he just in one of those spaces. But the first two games he can't get away with. The third game, I thought he was well Red below. Flags. Why? Because Clark Carlisle could hang your hat on every day. Him and Stevie Caldwell, Michael Duff, the defenders I had, the boys who's played against, mm. really, really good players. And Clark Carlisle, he was outstanding for me. I can't speak highly enough about him. So anyway, to be fair, I watched the next couple of days training. Uh, that was the Monday I spoke to him, the Tuesday, the off Wednesday, we trained the Thursday. And he, and he was better. Then I put him on the Friday again. I said, I'm still no happy, Clark. It's just no sitting comfortable with me. He says, no, Gaffer, I swear I'm over it. I said, well, okay, last chance saloon. I'm going to play tomorrow. But if it is, then that's it. Or I'll even take you off early into the game. To be fair, he went out and that was him. Never looked back. But he had that blip within that season. Because we, uh, the season we were promoted, we'd, uh, we'd started really, with a brilliant pre-season. When I came in, sorry, I should maybe give a bit of context to it. We'd sold Andy Gray in, the, in the January to Charlton for... Uh, Alan Pardew was the manager and came on they want him really strongly anyway I ended up getting two million for him I won that one and a half million plus half a million add-ons but what I did is I, I went to Sunderland and I got Andy Cole on loan for the same salary as I was paying Andy Gray so I'd announced Andy Gray was a good player but so was Andrew Cole he was Cole he was brilliant for me even at that age yeah he would be the first to tell you from, from 40 yards to the goal mouth he was sensational still passed the ball like a Champions League player what he couldn't do was he couldn't do the same high intensity against the ball as what he'd done before mm. But with the ball, 
he was different class. So he credited you for that as well, didn't he? Said he, he never it. felt as young. Yeah. He, felt, he felt young I again. It, yeah. I mean, I wanted to re-sign Coley, but we didn't have a lot of money at the time. And he ended up going to sign for Nottingham Forest, gave him a really good deal. And we played Forest, and actually, I think it was Coley's last game. We ended up we end up beating Forest 2-1 at Forest. Grezza scored both the goals. Uh, he's two free kicks, and a, or a free kick and a penalty. But anyway, and then I grabbed him the way off. I said, he said, oh, Gaffer, I should never have left. I said, what? He says, I, I, he says, I, he says, I loved it. He says, but I'm not enjoying this. And I think that was the last game he played. I don't think he played after that, which was because he could have still, would have been brilliant for us. But ultimately, you know, Forrest came in with a great deal and everything else. But yeah, we loved having him about. He passed the ball at a Champions League player. He made the player, he made the training better, which made the players better, which made us better. He scored one of the best hat tricks I've ever seen at Queen's Park Rangers. The Queen's Park Rangers were 2 nothing up against us. Anyway, Coley scored a left foot volley, I think just before half time, 2 1. Came out in the second half, he scored a right foot on the head, a perfect hat trick. And Big Addy, Addy Akinbaye, Big Addy scored uh, another one, 1 4 2. But Coley, one of the best hat tricks I've ever seen in my life. So my point is, I'd get 2 million in and we became a better team, you know, in that period. And then we'd so I told Kyle Laffey to Rangers for 4 million. So I'd brought 6 million into the club. But to be fair to Brendan Flood, who, who brought me down with Barry Kilby, who was the chairman, Brendan said, you'll be able to get half it on to sign players and then the other half uh, will go towards the cash flow. I said, that's fine. So I had three million to spend on thereabouts. We signed by Kevin McDonald. Uh, we signed Chris Eagles. I got wee Pato, wee Martin Patterson from Scunthorpe. Yeah. Mm. He scored 23 goals a year before and the Scunthorpe team was down at the bottom. Uh, for a million, come in, scored 24 goals for me in that, that promotion season. So we brought good players into my point with a really good pre-season. And then we played Sheffield Wednesday in the first game of the season at Sheffield Wednesday. We're two nothing down after three minutes. You couldn't believe No, after the pre-season, you've had three minutes in the game, you're two nothing down. Anyway, the game finished. We get back to two one. We part scored after six minutes. Anyway, I think we lost four one. And then the following week we were playing Ipswich at home. And they decided that they were going to have a paraglider fly come in with the, the match ball and land on the center circle, which was brilliant. <laughs> went to Tough Moor. The atmosphere was sensational. Three o'clock, sun was split the sky, paraglider comes in. Bang! Into the old roof where the dressing room comes from. <laughs> and the old broke his leg. The guy was trapped in the roof, broke his leg, had to evacuate that stand. Game, game was delayed. Game was delayed. Chuck Bell down, lad. Chuck Bell down. The game was delayed for two hours. Right? Game kicked, game kicked off at five o'clock. Absolutely sweet as 3 0, three own goals. You, it was just if you if you want the perfect day for your football, this was just the exact opposite. Right? You couldn't, so where we are, we're sitting with. No points, minus six of a goal difference after two games. Third game we played, we were at home to Plymouth, uh, Paul Sturrock's Plymouth. Chris Eagles get sent off after 10 minutes, right? So we're down to 10 men anyway, finished 0 0. And I remember Paul Sturrock, Luggy, who was a good pal, came into the SDCs after the game. We're sitting in the room list. He says, Tell you, Coyley, it's going to be a long season for us, for both of us, talking about the teams, right? And I was, I was like, What? I was fucking blazing because I knew it had a good team. <laughs> I went, like, so I, I said, it may be a long season for you, Luggy. I went, oh, don't need to offend you, Coyle. I said, but what I seen out there? I went, I don't uh, try to explain it. I don't need 10 men. Anyway, we had a point after three games. We went to Crystal Palace, fourth game of the season. Crystal Palace had got two men sent off within the period of the game. So they were down to nine men. And uh, we'd scored a couple of goals, but they both chopped off. So it got to the 93rd minute, nil-nil. Crystal Palace got a free kick 20 yards out from our goal. So nil-nil, playing against nine men. We've got one point for three games. If he scores this, it's one point for four games. And uh, Sandy was in the process of buying. Sandy was buying a new house in Preston. That's where he was going to live in Preston, my assistant manager. And he'd been looking at that week, just ready to think. 
and they're about to take a free kick. And then, as I said to you before, it's important. Humour's important in football at the right time, difficult moments, you deal with things with humour. And I turned to Sandy and I said, Sandy, have you got that house yet? And everyone like, no, not yet. I says, well, this free kick is in, don't bother. <laughs> because you'd, you'd, you'd have been sick. You'd have been sick, Bob, in the league. We won point after four games, having brought some players in the pre-season. And they were like, what? Anyway, it whistled by the post. The like, oh, wow. So anyway, we came off in that game and uh, with two points for four games. And, uh, and I looked at it and I thought, I needed a bigger physical striker. I needed a big target man. Somebody could bring us on, help me part of Lincoln. Anyway, I went to Cardiff and I got big Tomo, big Stevie Thompson. So they wanted the money for him. I didn't have any money. So we eventually got him for nothing on a free, but with some, some add-ons if he did this or we did that or we got promoted or whatever else. It was the best sign I ever made because what Tomo could do was similar to what you used to do, you brought your team up the pitch. He could bring us in, he could lock it in, he could knock things on, he could knock centre-backs about. And, uh, and it was just the perfect foil for what, everything else we had about me, Martin Parsons, Chris Eagles, Robbie Blakes, clever, clever footballers. But I just need a wee bit of physicality up there. And that took us to the Nottingham Forest game. That was our fifth game. We went to the city ground. Uh, the game I said about Andy Cole. We beat them 2-1. We were up and running. We went and won four, five in the bounce. At, to my point, going way back earlier, that took us to the end. We had a great cup run. Uh, the, the league cup run we, we beat all the Premier League teams Chelsea uh, Arsenal and the, you know Spurs was the same so we lost it we knocked Fulham out before that uh, but then when we got to that period when Clarke was in the wee blowout we had a really terrible run and then we had to get ourselves back going again and we managed to do that again so that championship as you know it's all trials and tribulations but aye, there was huge moments within that Did you ever think of changing? you know because we speak to lads that uh, played under you like, like the day before a game everything's fun the father side, Krispy Kremes, Blakey said you, for the thingy for the losers. Do you ever think we need to change this? I no, I think that, that. I mean, I think that is a little bit embellished in respect. Of, of course, it's always fun, but you know, we as we did, there'll be times. You know, they all knew their job. We all knew we did a set plays. We shaped up. We did all that. Everything that was all done. But I think what they remember is that there was there was humour attached to it at the right time. When you go to work hard, you work hard as you always do. When you find that time for a little bit of a banter and uh, just the pressure side, you get, absolutely, you take because ultimately you don't want them under pressure. As, as I always say, man, don't you worry about? It. I'll deal with that. You know, let me. I'm old enough, and ugly enough to deal with that. Use your job is to go and play and not feel any burden or everything else. But in terms of how we prepared, everybody knew their job. Everybody yeah. knew where they need to be and everything else. And I think, of course, you remember little things like that and then different stuff. But you know, there's nobody and they'll tell you there'd be nobody wanting to win games more than me in that drive. And actually talking about but we Blakey, there was a, a that cup run we were playing at Wolves. So, so Wolves were going to win the league that year, if you remember, uh, uh, the year we were promoted. And we were going to Wolves on the Saturday, but on the Tuesday we were going to play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in the last uh, last 16 uh, of the Cup. And we went, to, we went to Wolves on the Saturday. And I said to him before, I said, I'm telling you, anybody that's thinking about Stamford Bridge and Chelsea, you'll not be playing. We're out here, Wolves are at the top, we need to set a marker down here. We've won like five now, we need to keep, you know, we're up to fourth or fifth pushing on we wanted to bum bum dive them on and, uh, and at that time I had uh, my I had a plate my two front teeth it uh, was a plate before they got them all sorted but anyway <laughs> the, uh, we get beat 2-0 never laid a glove on Wolves can't tell you about it. We, were, we were terrible sure and it wasn't that we get beat 2-0 I can get I can I don't mind getting somebody's better than me will hold their hand up and you can I can accept that what I can't accept is when we've not performed when we've not contributed when we've not been at our best 
And if somebody's better than you in the day, all good and well, as long as you're doing your bit. But we never, we were so below what, what we were known for. And I came in and you'll know the Wolves dressing room anyway. And Blakey, Wade Elliott and Clarkey, Skipper, they're all in front of me. And I was just, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was away in one. And I was ladling it, I was rattling up, you this, disgrace, the levels, the standards, bum, bum. Ah, and I was getting that angry. As I get that angry, the, the wee plate, my two front teeth, kind of went forward. <laughs> and I went like, I managed to, I managed to just go, ah, I went, ah, F a lot of these. And I went way through to the, the Wolves in the shower room and there was a wee chair and I sat down and I started laughing because I thought to myself, imagine, <laughs> I thought to myself, imagine, imagine they went flying, imagine they went flying out and they seen it. So anyway, so I'm in there, come and Sandy's coming in with me, you're right. I went, oh, I'll tell you later. So anyway, that was fine. So then we went to the Monday and uh, we'd done our training and we're finishing with a little bit of finishing. So the boys would flip, play and I would flick off or 1v1 or a volley or something. So as they're all queuing up, Sandy was in a queue. So Sandy's he's standing there with him and we Robbie Blake come up pulled the hairs out the back of his leg and Sandy went like hey watch you I'll punch your teeth out <laughs> Robbie really went what like the gaffers <laughs> <laughs> and Sandy was like what he said you see that he says we were that terrified he says nobody would tell him once he went away he said we're all fucking <laughs> <laughs> he says but he was not he, was, he says the temper he was in we're all that <laughs> we're all seeing him come out we're all that I was just waiting for him to go as soon as he went he said we're all rolling about he says the two oh. <laughs> so, anyway but yeah so that, that plays a part you're right Take the pressure off at the right yeah. time. Having your uh, alleviating that pressure, having a bit of fun at the right time. But equally, in terms of preparation, everything else, they knew they knew their opponents, they knew <laughs> them right. Yeah, they knew their, their strong foot, their weaker foot, they knew their weaknesses. We were you. You don't you don't want as many games and be able to do as we do on a, yeah. on a win. That's for sure. Did it did it hurt the way it finished at Burnley? In terms of the reaction from the fans, yeah, yeah, the Judas but, shouts and yeah, all that yeah, stuff that, after that, everything you'd achieved. Well, that did hurt only because I, uh, at the what time, people don't know is had we not got promoted, Burnley were big, big financial trouble. I'd be we'd we'd been embargoed from the January financially. Uh, so if you look at that season, I mentioned we played sixty-one games. We used the fewest amount of players in the league. Uh, and part of that was from January, we, were, we we owed money to Manchester United for some of the add-ons. We owed money to Scunthorpe for some of the, the add-ons as well. And because the club weren't in a position to pay these, like 200,000, 100,000, whatever it was, then the league said, well, okay, you're financially embargoed until you make those payments. You can't take any players on loan or do any transfer dealings. I kept that to myself. Nobody knew that. So I just kept that in-house, obviously, with, with, with Brendan and Barry and, uh, and just kind of got on with it. But... Uh, Brendan Flood, who is Burnley through and through, and Brendan had poured seven, eight millions of his own, you know, through the, the companies it had. And uh, by that time, they had uh, that was a bad financial crisis at that time, you remember. And uh, and people were losing a lot of money. And Brendan had, I mean, he's built himself up again. He's, an, he's just an amazing man. But the, he was in for a difficult financial time. And what happened is we'd started really well in the Premier League. I had the lowest budget ever known to the Premier League at Burnley. Lowest budget by my highest paid player was uh, uh, was Fletch, who I'd bought from uh, Hibernian for two and a half million pounds. Uh, he was on twelve grand a week, uh, so our budget was something like sixteen million in the Premier League. And the lowest, the, the bottom team in the Premier League would receive thirty two million that year. Right, so I was like sixteen million. But those directors and Barry Kelby as well, they'd all poured millions in over the years to keep Burnley going. So it was only right that they get their, their money yeah, back. I, I understand that. So I was on board with that. I said, yeah, I get that. I totally understand that. Uh, but what happened was we started really well. Then we got to November 
December and we drew a couple of games. We drew with Arsenal at home and we drew, was it Wolves? We drew another game at home and I felt those are games we, we should have won. So I said to him, I said, what I need, I need two or three players in the January window, not to be spending money, but even good but experienced Premier League players. So I didn't have that. All my kind of boys had been championship, but I was, I was fair with them. I gave them an opportunity. If you think of Greza and boys like that, I can't tell you could Graham Alexander was. What an unbelievable player and a man. He was sensational for me. So, but all those boys had risen to the challenge, but they needed a wee bit of help. So they said, well, you know, we don't think we have any money now. And I said, hold on a minute. I said, well, 16 million pounds budget I've got just now. 32 coming in. I know you take your money back. I said, the players have not got a bonus yet, which they hadn't, because the chairman had said to me, oh, and would the players mind waiting till January? So instead of getting that each month, they would just give them all in the one lump sum January, because in the Premier League, you get money in August and money in January. I said, when the money comes in January, we'll give it. So I spoke to the skip. He said, that's great, Gaffer. We'll get it in one lump sum. Great. And I was the same. My bonus was due from May or June, and I hadn't received it. Uh, and it, well, it said to me, would you wait? I said, I'll wait, no problem. No, you're good for it. And that's the wee bit when I left, when it says I left for money. If I left for money, I'd have been asking for that bonus, which was a <laughs> substantial sum, which I'd have been asking for it in June. I still hadn't taken it. So anyway, uh, so, but what happens, I asked for those players, and then, well, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that. And and ultimately then, I thought, well, okay, are they taking me for granted? Because is he going to keep pulling rabbits out of a hat all the time? Because that Burnley team were tipped for relegation the year before. Because of the size of the budget we had and everything else, never mind getting promotion. So, uh, and that's how it came about. And then even then when I left, I still tried to do right by in, in terms of the process because in, in the contract, the, the contract was that if I was to go to uh, another club, it was one million pound compensation. Burnley would receive. If I was to go to a club in the top six, it was three million. So obviously Bolton weren't in the top six, but I think Burnley wanted three million. So that's, and I'm thinking, myself, well, I'll try and keep right by him, just hold fire until it's all agreed. But of course, when you're then leaving, you're not the Burnley manager anymore. So with all due respect, the powers that be in there, their agenda is to protect themselves, not to protect mm. Owen Coyle. So it's easy to just put out your story, Owen Coyle's leaving for, Owen Coyle went to Bolton for the same contract as he was on at Burnley. It was the same contract. So, but that didn't suit the narrative. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, and that's the bit it came. And then it'd be easy for me to come out and say this or that, but I thought it's just going to, it doesn't help anybody. So, uh, I mean, I've not got a bad word to say about Burnley, the fans, even when I'm back there, they were giving me dog abuse and everything else. They didn't know the full story. As a matter of fact, yeah, I did feel that it certainly wasn't fair or balanced, but that's that's the nature of football. So I didn't uh, get too upset about it as though it's not particularly nice, but that's the nature of football. But a few people mentioned, did you say something like about Bolton being 10 years ahead of Burnley? No, I think, I think people always, always go and uh, look at a... Uh, in terms of quotes or historical quotes or everything else. I think at the time I was asked, and I said, well, if you look at kind of Bolton's training ground where they are and different stuff like that, but all credit to Burnley because the plans were already there. And let's be honest, had we not taken them into the Premier League, which I, I think they would even concede that was a huge part of the football we played, Burnley wouldn't have had went on to be able to have success because financially they were... They were, they were okay. I, I alluded, yeah, I, I alluded to earlier, they were struggling. But what happened was they still then would receive the parachute payments that would help Sean get them back into the Premier League. And Sean went on to do an amazing job. Uh, and ultimately, I mean, I couldn't believe when Sean lost the job after everything Sean had done. And but that shows you, you know, the nature of football. Mm -hmm. uh, but that being said, I mean, if you think about it, Brian came in, Brian Laws came in after me. Because when I left, I left Burnley, Burnley were 14th mid-table in, in the Premier League and, and looking good. I went into a Bolton team that was bottom of the league. Uh, and I kept, I took Bolton to 14th, kept them up with nine points clear 
a relegation. They were second bottom of the league when I went in. Nine points clear relegation. Spent no money. I brought Stuart Holden in and a Bosman from Houston Dynamo. I get Jack Wiltshire on loan from Arsenal. And I get Vladimir Weiss on loan from Manchester City. Never spent any money. Just Stuart was a free minimal salary as well. And the other two kids, and they were kids, just paid part of the salary, which wasn't a lot, and turned that Bolton team round from second bottom of the league and favourites for relegation to nine points clear. And even the following year, and this is the thing, I know ultimately we lost uh, our place in the Premier League with Bolton. Had there been VAR, we'd never have lost our place. But the following year, up until the last seven, eight games of the season, when we got Sam Ricketts injured, Stuart Holden injured, players that I couldn't replace, we were in the top six in the Premier League, having spent no money. The football we were playing... So the job we did at Bolton, actually in context, was an amazing job. So, but anyway, go. Everybody will have their own opinion on it, but we certainly know what we did and, mm. and what we achieved. What did you do differently? What did you? Because obviously, bottom of the league needed a lift. Did you just carry on the same as what you were doing at Burnley? At, at, at Bolton, yeah, yeah. So what, what what Bolton needed, what Bolton needed was you mentioned earlier, somebody to take the pressure off them and allow them to go and play and, and alleviate that and believe in themselves because they had good players, and Gary Cahill. Yon Almanders, Kevin Davises, Yossi was in the goal. I mean, there's some one, Matty Taylor, uh, did some one, uh, Fabrice, uh, Stuart Holm, Brian Jack Wilshire came in. So with some wonderfully talented players, they just needed, obviously, you know, and not blaming what went before because everybody's different and everybody sees things different. But I felt they just needed lifted to, and be allowed to go and play, which we did, as I say, from second bottom league to nine points clear a, a, a relegation. When you arrive, he's one of... First things you're looking at, reserve fixtures? And can I get my boots no, on? No, I actually, I actually played one charity game, but only because that was through necessity. We opened, uh, we went to Northern Ireland to play uh, Cliftonville. I think they were opening their, their stadium. and uh, But we took the subs from a Saturday. So Klasnich played and we had a number, we had a number of boys that played, played for an hour or so. Yeah, but it was a favour. Uh, Phil Gatsy, my chairman, God rest him, Phil was friendly with the... Is Northern Ireland compatriot, so uh, we did that, and I think I think I might have played for sixty minutes that night as well. Chipped the goalkeeper, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, yeah. So that was uh, I think that was my last. I think the end. The legs were beginning to to slow up even further, but yeah, they were good days. What happened with Askelinen? Was it a political? Yeah, well, they, I think like most of them, they were when they're coming out of contract. But we had young Adam Bogdan coming through as well. We also had the we also had Ali uh, Habsey who'd went and loaned to Wigan and Adam Bogdan had then come through and, and was challenging and, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, I like you say he was a fantastic servant, loves his club, very, very good player and uh, but young Adam obviously went to Liverpool and thereafter was a very good goalkeeper in his own right so we are just fortunate in that respect with some good players. Something that'll probably stay with you you in charge for the Moamba incident as well. Yeah, that that was, uh, well, that was, that was surreal because obviously it's never ever a thing that you think it's going to happen. It's never a thing that you, you have any training for. So really, I think that comes down to, uh, well, first and foremost, the important thing was that Fabrice was going to be, was going to be okay. And that culminated in the, you know, the uh, the season that we lost, we lost a place in the in the league the last day at Stoke. And not that I remember, but Chris Foy was the referee in an absolute nightmare. But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the game at the game at White Hart Lane, Fabrice was just running into the box, and I remember the physio saying, "Oh, Fabrice has collapsed," and it was, uh, you know, you have those moments when players get injured. Like, so if you were to get injured somewhere, and the fan, the opposition fans would begin you pelt us, and they're lying down injured, they're giving you dogs abuse. That was totally different. The Tottenham fans kind of realised if, oh, that's something serious, and 
the good fortune was Dr. Andrew Diener, who's a specialist in this field, as a Tottenham Hotspur season tickle holder, was in the stand. And he's able, because he knew the chief steward, to get access to the field straight away because he recognised that's a series. And uh, I mean, for for Parisi's heart, you know, to stop for as long as it did, then obviously normally there's severe, severe damage. And, you know, the only thing Fabrice not allowed to do just now is play football. You see him now, he's, he's very articulate, he's a clever man, he's a great lad and uh, got a beautiful family. So, uh, but I mean, it was it was incredible the turnaround, it really was. I mean, I, I don't mind saying it, I mean, there's nothing short of a miracle because I, you know, I was in the meeting with uh, with his dad, with his wife, when they said to him, because what they did is they were going to freeze him for 24 hours, then bring him back to, to, to body temperature. And they actually said in the meeting, listen, we're, we're convinced his major organs will work, but we can't tell you how much damage there's going to be, you know, to, to, to his brain because of lack of oxygen. And uh, and then to see the recovery, and I mean, it was it, it was it was amazing. His family was there, his friends were there, uh, and and it was incredible because they in the morning when they started, then bit by bit, he was getting better. His wife was obviously getting in to see him and saying, "Oh, he's, he's been able to you know touch my hands." Been able, and then he was able to speak, and then it got to about about eleven o'clock that night, and I'd, I was doing the, the because it was a, it was a worldwide story. So we were doing four press conferences every day. But what we were doing is we were doing them like an hour behind the last bit of news we had just to give us a buffer in case anything went, you know, in between. And uh, as I say, it was it was a global story. And if you remember Eastley that night, because Fabrice is so well-liked and he had friends at Arsenal, who had friends at Real Madrid, who had friends in, you know, the, the big, you know, the basketball in America and in Russia and football teams, all everybody's wearing Pray for Moamba t-shirts. And it was it was a just a global story. It was incredible. And then he... Uh, I remember his dad coming in saying, Oh, do, do, do you want to get in and see him? It was 11 o'clock that night. I said, No, no, I'll leave him. You, all the family's been on. She says, No, no, please, it'd be, it'd be good for you to go in. And what happened was, I, because obviously I'd just had what I, I had, I'd been uh, the our press, Mark Alden, who was a press officer, he said, Oh, here, listen, use my tie, change a tie for, because you're wearing the same tie all the time for your last press conference. So I put this, which was a different tie from the, the players and, and staff tie, uh, players and uh, coaching staff it was like the, the kind of club tie a director's tie so anyway I put it on went into the press and I came back in obviously to see Fabrice and they were I mean such clever people because what what the last thing that was going to come was it was his short term memory everything else was coming back uh, but what they put on a big whiteboard just for example if Fabrice was lying in bed here there was a big whiteboard there that says my name is Fabrice Moamba I'm a professional footballer play for Bolton Wanderers uh, played for Arsenal Birmingham uh, I had uh, an accident versus Tottenham Hotspur in a cup game at White Hart Lane. So when he woke up, he was able to read it and he wasn't getting frustrated. I mean, really, really clever people. So I came in and he, as I say, his long-term memory was obviously coming back. He says, oh, Gaffer, great to see you. I think, my God, after everything this boy's been through. I said, great to see you, Fabrice. How are you? He says, yeah, 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 good. good. I, obviously that stuff's helping. I says, great. I was just chatting away a long time. He says, oh, Gaffer, is that a new tie? <laughs> <laughs> it was, honestly, it was, and I, I was astounded. I says, I was kind of choked by it. I said, sorry, Fabrice, is that new? That's a different tie. I said, yeah, it's actually Mark Lott. It's a director's tie, Fabrice. He says, ah, oh, I haven't really seen that one before. I said, yeah, and I thought to myself, my God, what? Boy, you know, well. to come from where he's been yeah, yeah. and then bit by bit, he was getting better. So I think that actually helped because I don't think the players could have played on, if I'm honest. There was a lot of them, we can imagine, because you've, you've been there. Mm. If that's happened to one of your teammates, then it's only natural you think, well, if that happens to Fabrice, who's as fit as a fiddle, that could also happen to yeah. me. So there's that, 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 and then our game on the Saturday was postponed 
it was against Blackburn Rovers was postponed then we never played for it was for two weeks uh, and then uh, I brought them all in I said listen none of you have to play you don't have to play if you think you're okay to play that's fine if you think you're not because I think even uh, Martin Martin Petrov was with me and his one of his best friends is Stylian Stylian Petrov and he was going through a really tough time as well I don't know if he'd uh, was yeah, cancer, cancer. Yeah. Stylian had an outstanding mind Stylian so and I said to Martin nobody has to play at the end of the day, we all love football. That's what I only do family and football, but your family's more important than what your football is. That, you know, football will come after that. I think what happened was because Fabrice was getting better and the boys knew he was getting better, they felt, okay, we'll be able to go and play again. But obviously then we were games behind, we were kind of playing catch-up. Uh, we took them to, uh, there was a break because of the, the cup that week anyway. We took them to Dubai for a few days just to try and get a smile back in their face, get everything, knowing that Fabrice was on the mend and getting better. And, uh, and then he was able to come along to a game. The fans got to see him, which was great. Everybody knew he was recovering. But you're right, I mean, nothing nothing prepares you for, mm. for stuff like that, that's for sure. wanted to touch on, obviously, some of the success that you've had recently over in India. B building a statue, Ellie? Eh, uh, well... <laughs> well... Is that well, an elephant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The, you, you, there's every, I've got to say, we love, we love the, the experience. I mean, obviously, first year we went, uh, you were able to travel to the different opposing teams and then the last two years have been the bio bubble so that's that's been a real challenge because the whole league took place in Goa and uh, the beach was literally where those small sided goals were there but you weren't allowed to go to the beach because we could only go from the hotel to training come back go to the match come back couldn't in interact with anybody because you're all in the bubble for fear of COVID and if you think of the population 1.3 billion you know it could, it, they've had they, I think they had three uh, three really bad different periods of COVID. So you can imagine with the with the population, why it was so protective of it. That being said, the football was great. We got the football played. We obviously were, we were champions from a from a small team. Uh, the first year we went, we took a team from the bottom of the league to actually to the playoff final to nearly be the, uh, to win that trophy. So yeah, it, it, it was fantastic. We loved every minute of it. But again, I've got two little grandkids as well. And it was important that the time where we came back and obviously we've got a brilliant project here as well. And then come back from India being champions, we're then able to go and win the, the playoffs and get Queen's Park promoted. So yeah, it was certainly to, to be champion in two continents was nice. But we've been fun, yeah, listen, we're, we've been been champion Scotland before, we've been champion in England, we know how to do it. You know, ultimately we, you're never ever as good as you think you are and you're never ever as bad as you think you are. You know, I think people, uh, ultimately in football, we all know the game, but what happens is, and I can mention these two lads because we're both great players, Good players help you to achieve things. Getting the right players at the right time. Of course, sometimes you need a little bit bouncing the ball and a bit of this. But in the main, good players help you to achieve what you need. We know how to get winning teams. We know how to get the best out of players. We, I mean, we're so thankful and blessed to be in the game. It doesn't get any better. I mean, it's the best game in the world. I used to have this argument when I was in America because obviously they love their American sports and they talk about their American football. What they don't realise is football is the only game, if you think about it, that you know, you've got all your other games and people are hugely talented at what they do. But at football, you've got to do it with your feet. Every other game, really, if you think about it, is, is hand, anti-eye coordination, bats and balls and different stuff. This is the only game when you're running, boys are running maximum speed and they've still got to hit a 60 yard, they've got to fire one in the top corner. That's why this game is the best game in the world, without doubt. And it costs next to nothing to play. 
you don't need loads and loads of equipment. Yeah. You just need to find something that resembles a ball and away you go. Did you th- know that you needed snookers when you when you got the Blackburn job just for the Burnley yeah, connections? Yeah, I see in fairness to that because I've laughed. I know Big Danny tells the story at, at Rotherham, which is actually true. <laughs> so, <laughs> talk about finding humour. Not, 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 not too much that Danny Graham says is true, but that one is. <laughs> no, I love Timmy Bates. I get Danny in and, and, a, and a Bosman, Charlie Mulgrew in the Bosman. Ryan, Ryan Niambi's debut, Scott Wharton's debut. The amount of stuff we did there was incredible. And it was against all odds. In truth, I should never, ever have taken the job only because I'd been a hugely successful Burnley manager. And the rivalry between Burnley and Blackburn is incredible. I'd come back from America because my oldest daughter was getting married. So I see I've got two grandkids now. And they, I'd been offered a chance for uh, to speak to a burning up in Scotland. But Blackburn, they... The train ground's like a mile from my house. And me being me, just a football man and everything else, I thought, well, do you know what? As long as you put a winning team in the field, people see a winning team and nothing really else should come into it. Obviously, there was a lot of politics behind Blackburn to do with the owners and that anyway, who were, you know, weren't well liked, shall we say, for uh, to, to put it mildly. <laughs> and they, and then of course, they're not well liked. They bring an ex-Burnley manager in, the guy that took Burnley from being the second-rate team round about to kind of going above mm. Blackburn. Then, of course, you're... You know, you're going to be, uh, but that's not that's not what the undoing was. What happened was they then sold our two best players for twelve million pounds, Grant Hanley to Newcastle and Shane Duffy to Brighton for twelve million pounds. Now those you know because you played that league, those two centre backs get you up towards the top six, mm. particularly the ones we had. We had Danny Graham at striker, your Challenge Boys. Anyway, they, so they sold them for twelve million, and then they told me that I had one one of the salaries. Not the two of us, one of the salaries to replace the two players. So I didn't even have each of the salary to go and get two loans yeah, at Bosman. So they took the 12 million in. Uh, anyway, I said, right, okay, we'll get on with it and do. And of course, we, we had a, a difficult start. But when we left, we were actually, we'd, we'd actually played quite well and turned the corner. And, well, I've got no doubt we'd done them well. But part of that was even then in January, I had five players lined up to come in and they, uh, but the day before, my last game was against Manchester United in the FA Cup. Uh, Danny, Danny Graham scored a brilliant goal that day. They beat us 2-1. I think Ibrahimovic scored the winner from eight minutes for the end or 10, whatever it was. A great finish. But anyway, the uh, but the build-up to that game was just for the transfer window closing. The uh, the director of football, whoever they brought in and said, oh, I don't know why Owen's not brought any players in. You know, there's money available, which was, a, turns out, it was a total lie. So I did my press conference the day, but you know, I said, well, I don't know where the money is because there's the five players there and I named the five players. So I think what happened ultimately, the owners were happy when I was getting the flack. Yep. But as soon as I mentioned, well, hold on a minute, there's five players I was going to sign. They actually, in that January, they actually sold Ben as well, Ben Marshall, for three million to Wolves. So we'd sold 15 million pounds of players when I came into Blackburn. We spent, I only spent 250,000 pounds on Derek Williams, who was the player of the year, who was the player of the year that the season I was there. He won the player of the year. So they brought all that money in, cut the, and that's why Paul left Paul Lambert, because Paul had come in the previous year and did really well. They started really well, and they got to uh, February, and they sold Jordan. They sold Jordan Rhodes for $10 million, and they said to Paul, right, we're going to give you Jordan Rhodes money plus another $20 million, and uh, we'll put the budget up a bit, and we'll have a real goal of getting back to the Premier League. Paul thought, brilliant. And then from the start of March, Paul lost five... Five games out of six or six games out of eight and a couple of draws, but never won. And then when they went to their next meeting and Paul says, right, okay, we've got our plans, we've got our players. Oh, no, no, forget that. We're, we're going to cut the budget. Paul says, hold on, you told me I was getting. He went, Paul said, well, I'll not be staying there. And then obviously the job, I thought, well, you're a mile off the training ground. And then I was 
you know, I was in three weeks and those two centre-backs were, were sold. And of course, the, the fans never wanted you anyway. And the other thing about that was as well that the, there was a section of fans that never came to the home games because they want, want to give the, the owners of Enkies, but I'm not giving them money, but they turn up at the away games. But obviously at the away games, they absolutely, they hated me anyway, or, or the Venkies, or we hated us together. But that Rotherham game, I remember it well. And we were doing well, one each, we were battling, it was waves of attack, waves of attack to get the one. And Rotherham away is a tough venue. And as Danny said, they were saying, oh, you know, you're allowed to say on here. Yeah. Anyway, I double you and then they're singing away. But the ball came, and I did a quarter and a half volley. And I think I've heard this for about 20 minutes. And you can see the players, because I'm not one of them getting frightened as much as you know, I'm getting a bit of stick. Although well, they're probably delighted. It's no me, it's him, it's getting it. And I just turned around and I said, hey, no bad for a wanker, boys. <laughs> <laughs> So I just think, oh, it's a, couldn't you couldn't have caught it any sweeter? <laughs> yeah. But the, I, was games, I mean, there was, every away game was like that coming in and they would give, but listen, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't nice. It was quite toxic at times in terms of the away games. So Paul would obviously left, but I'd been American and obviously I was coming back to see because my, uh, my daughter was getting married. Did it never get to you then? You say you brushed it off. Did it ever like? I know, I think, I listen, we're only human. I think there's times, of course, uh, things are, times you'll, you'll get hurt and everything else, but, you know, as I said before, what you're going to do, you're going to wall on self-pity and you're going to get yourself up and you go again because ultimately you've got to make sure if I'm motivating a group, I'm going to make sure that we're up for, for whatever challenge comes away. And that's where the mentality comes in. And I've been very lucky. I mean, I grew up in a, a in the Gorbals, a working-class environment, everything that you had, you had to you know, fight and scratch for. And, and that's the other thing people always say, oh, you know, this one deserves this. And it. It's not about deserving, it's what you earn, what you go and you actually earn. And that's what we say to the players, you know, make sure, you know, if you're going to get it, nobody's going to hand it to you. You're going to have to go and earn okay. it. You're going to have to work hard. And that just comes from the fundamental for a, for a working class background, that you're going to have to work hard for anything you're going to get in life. Mm. Did you, uh, just before we finish, did you ever think about signing either of us? Actually, the answer to that is yes. I both like, I mean, you just played in a really good, a really good Preston team that I, I liked, I chewed admiration. I was actually talking to Sandy about that because uh, we went to Cardiff in, the, uh, in that May, in May Bank Holiday, and Cardiff beat us 2-1. We were Ross McCormick scored the winner. And uh, that kind of put them in a position like for automatic promotion, if you remember. And uh, and then you were playing Cardiff on the Saturday, two weeks later. We were going to play Sheffield United on the Monday. And if Cardiff beat you at Preston, then if we beat Sheffield United, we were already in the playoffs. But if you remember, you beat Cardiff 6-0 yeah, that day. Because yeah. Sandy went to the game, I never asked him, I'm just going to drive. I'll listen in the radio, hoping that Cardiff beat you, because then you know, Burnley are automatically in the playoffs. And then within... You know, oh, go. <laughs> Preston, one, two. And as it turns out, that 6 0 was so important because Cardiff never won another game. Mm. And they beat Cardiff by one goal and goal difference. Yeah. To get to the players. To get to remember it. Yeah. Had it been 5 0, it would have been Cardiff. And Cardiff lost the last four or five games. Yeah. It was incredible. What a, a, a complete collapse. And then, of course, we were, what happened was because they were doing so well, we were having to keep on winning. So we had to beat Sheffield United 1 0 that day. We did. And then the following week, actually, there was two games to go. The following week, we were at Southampton. If we drew that day and and you didn't win, then that was us in the playoffs again. We'd so many outs, so many outs. And then we drew at Southampton. Your game was, uh, I don't know, it was... Birmingham, I think. Right? Birmingham was, yeah, but I don't know if it was a later kickoff. Yeah, it, it was, was a late kickoff because we were going to get the flight from Southampton. And just as I was getting on the flight, my mate was keeping me up to speed because it was a draw mm. and then we Ross Wallace scored a 30 yard free kick in injury time yeah we were 2-1 right? we were down weren't we 1-0 yeah. well, well, down and then, then you kind of scored yeah. a yeah. and, then, and then we Ross, Ross Wallace a 30 yard free kick top corner in 93rd minute but just the plate was taken off and the kind of signal cut out and so I don't know what so we went up and the played thinking it's one each 93rd minute no known 
And again, as I landed the message came through, Ross Wallace, 30 yards screaming, <laughs> couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so then it went in the last game. We were at home to uh, Bristol City. Uh, yous were... QPR. Yeah, QPR at home, wasn't it? But Ross got sent off. Right. I remember. Oh, yeah. Because he scored the free kick, took his shirt off, got the second oh, yellow. Did he? Right. Because we needed to win the last game, didn't That's we? right. Yeah, you needed to win. And if we didn't win, you won the playoffs, or depending on what happened with Cardiff, Cardiff or whatever. But we both had to win, best way I could put it, because Cardiff was still ahead of both of us on points. Uh, and then I think you scored, I think you were winning before us. At one point in the first half, we were actually seventh. Burnley, we were drawn 0 0 with Bristol City. As it is, we would only beat them 3 0. Use one and obviously Cardiff can beat in their six ton. That, and that's a championship. Yeah. But that's because surreal. of those, that good, I mean, that was a good, good Preston team. Because they were winning, we had to keep winning, which helped us get into it because it kept the momentum going into the playoffs. Because I always think the team that arrives with a bit of momentum has, has always got a chance. I mean, I think you were really unlucky because I, I watched the two Sheffield United, United games, yeah. absolutely. And to be honest, we were want, we were wanting to play Sheffield United because we played them twice. We'd already beaten them twice. We'd beat you at Burnley, but you'd beat us at, at Preston. And I thought you were a good side, so I thought I'd rather play. I'd rather play Sheffield United, which we did, and, and we were better them on the day. I mean, we were we felt we had a like, great finish, but we were better on on the day. And even on that, the, the, the funny wee thing about you know about football, about preparation and different stuff. That Burnley team. So what I done was I get special dispensation from from the league. Just it just shows you the things you think about in the game. What I didn't want, because I know Grez had been there a few times with Preston and lost playoffs, and but some boys had never been to Wembley. So what I got was dispensation that I could go after the, the League One playoff final had finished and it cleared. I took that Burnley team to Wembley at nine o'clock that night. So they seen the dress rooms, so they seen the pitch. So when they arrived for the day of the playoff final, they weren't in awe of anything. They knew it, they seen it, they were in there. We spent about an hour at Wembley, we left 10 o'clock, we're back in the hotel about half 10 that night. Uh, following morning we did all our video presenting bum bum whatever but we just left nothing to chance so I didn't want anybody coming and freezing and I just wanted them to play yeah. the game so they knew the, they knew the pitch they knew the dress rooms everything was there they walked in they knew where the, the spot was they weren't really looking about for it they weren't in awe of anything and that was just a one little thing one little cog in terms of the preparation for everything you do and, and we were better than Sheffield United that day we fully deserved and I think Burnley's got a population of 60,000 there was we took 38,000 that day because that's all the tickets they would give us. If they gave us more, we, we, we would have sold them out. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the biggest compliments I got. The, the chief inspector, the police came in and he said to me, uh, he said, Owen, oh, thank you. I says, oh, for the team. He says, no, no. He says, the crime rate's been down all season. <laughs> <laughs> he says, when the team's winning, there's less crime. <laughs> it was a long-winded deflection, that, but the, the answer was no. <laughs> you were good enough for Kyle's team. The answer to the original question, no, he didn't try and sign us. Not a fucking chance. I can't even remember what the question was. <laughs> Oh, brilliant, man. Yeah, thank you very yeah, much. Thanks, thanks for well. having us. All the best with the new project. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And listen, you have, uh, hopefully, a couple of months, everything will be ready. Please, you know, come back up. To be honest, we've not even touched on half the stuff. I mean, there's a, there's a million things I could have told you that we can get back to another day. Uh, really, some really, really funny stuff that's, that's uh, you're allowed to, not, you don't need to edit. It'll be all right. To, <laughs> do, you still, uh, do you still join in the shooting and that? Uh, no, there's a, well, at the end of the day, I can still, uh, you'll love this one just to finish off. <laughs> so this was, uh, I was playing a charity game the other week and it was at Airdrie, one of my old clubs. And uh, they were playing the, our Airdrie team in 92 played in the European Cup Winners' Cup against Sparta Prague. So it was the Airdrie Legends team of that. So you can imagine we're all, I'm 56, 57, 50, all that kind of age. And we're playing the, uh, a pro celebrity team. 
so actors and wrestlers and different stuff. So it was for the uh, Lanarkshire Suicide Awareness, a brilliant cause. So I think about 1,200 people turned up, raised loads of money. It was brilliant. And the game was really good. And as good as I've had spells of finishing, I can't tell you how good it was. I mean, honestly, <laughs> one, goal, one goal was better than the next one. One, one goal was better than the next one. Honestly, five goals. I think I scored five goals and one became better. You, just, got, honestly, you got a fucking Jeff Kerr's mark in you. It was like, that's true as well. It was like, it was a rolling back the years. But anyway, that's not the funny bit. The funny bit was I ran in the second half and I'm running on. As I'm running on, this young guy can buy unbelievable build. But mid-30s can fly by me. As he can fly by me, his hand came across. And I thought he tried to kind of slap me in the eye. He obviously never, but as he fell in front of me, I've kicked him. So it was a foul, <laughs> right? So I've got a foul. So the boys got up and the boy was blazing, right? And the guy's going, I'll do you in, I'll kill you. Oh, easy, pal, relax, relax. So he's going like me. And uh, he went, oh, you, you ugly. Well, right, and whoa. You can see a lot of things about me, but you, well, just but you can't see I'm ugly, right? <laughs> right, so you can see a lot of things. Although a lot of people have, but anyway. So I've just went like, so I've actually did this, though. I went like, hold it! Big loud voice. The whole stadium heard me, everybody, all the fans, they've all just stopped. All the team have stopped. And I'm like, have you got a mirror in the house, pal? Right? The boy's like, he's all in the place, right? He's calling me aggressive. You get a mirror in the house. You want to look in those mirrors, pal? No, I'll kill you. So he's trying it. So somebody's coming to step, kind of breaking between us. So they split it all up. Anyway, end of the game, I've seen the boy shook his hand. How are you, pal? A couple of pictures and all that. Thought that was the end of it. And uh, one of the boys came in and went, You're lucky there, Coily. I said, How's that? He says, Oh, that's that. That's that MMA fighter. <laughs> I says, right, he says, that's ah, MMA fighter. I said, for the goggles. He says, well, his nickname's the bad boy. I lie, right, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, I think the boy, uh, Chris, Chris Bungard, nice guy. I mean, nice boy, loves his football. He's passionate. I was, but the funny thing was that night, the boy tweeted, what a fantastic day. Uh, charity game in Ada, the uh, uh, Lanarkshire Suicide Awareness. Absolutely brilliant. Everybody loved the game. Uh, six all, some fantastic individual finishes. We're glad they be, we're glad they went to penalties. We won in penalties. I managed to score a goal. What a brilliant day everybody had. Absolutely brilliant. Get it up, you own coil. Just I listened, I thought it was brilliant. I was laughing at it. I thought fair play to you. They did they did win in penalties, but uh, I'm just trying well, to... You, you've done it football now. The only first thing to do is a charity MMA fight. Well, Surely you're gonna step into his arena. Certainly wouldn't be me in that ring, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, what, honestly, the boy, some physique he had. I think he's got a championship bout this week. So good luck, pal. <laughs> no, thank you very Absolutely much, mate. Oh, pleasure. Enjoyed that. that. I think someone got it uh, quickly. There was a, somehow, did you do staff versus something at Blackburn in the indoor bit? Uh, we would normally have a staff. Uh, oh, no, we did. We did. We played. Dunny and I played. David Dunny and I played. We did. We did one up. Uh, Indoor, and I think we've done one on the grass. Yeah. There's some footage of you chipping the keeper. Oh, is there? Aye. And somebody's edited it. Right. And just put coil. Aye. And then played the chip. Well, aye. well, we like that. When we catch them sweetly, there's nothing wrong with that. So, <laughs> uh, the thing about it is, listen, we all love the game, don't we? You know, and you did it as kids and everything else. But it's, uh, yeah, I think when you get good groups and good boys and good players, then it's important <laughs> that you want to win games, but they've got to be in an environment that they enjoy coming to work, they enjoy coming in the door so we can get the best out of them. And of course, there's a time to work hard, time to focus, time to do all your stuff. And equally as a time, just a wee bit of downtime that you know you enjoy being each other's company and everything else. So it's getting the balance, like most things, it's getting the balance. Uh, but equally, you know, we, we play the game because we want to win. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.